<laughs> I'm glad you are. You, you, you put together innovation and it's fun and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing in- Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm not a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon. I look forward to once again to serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity, live and direct right now. On the TuneIn Radio app, search End of Days and you'll find the show. Or go to michaeldeacon.com. You care to interact with me or other listeners. My guest tonight is James Spetzer. He is a former Marine Corps officer. He has published widely on the theoretical foundations of scientific knowledge, computer science, artificial intelligence, cognitive science, and evolution mentality. He, of course, has appeared here on the program numerous times. He is an affiliate here on the program. I'm very proud to say that. Of course, McKnight Professor Emeritus at the University of Minnesota, Duluth. He has also conducted extensive research into the assassination of JFK and the events of 9-11 and many, many more. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Thanks for being here with me tonight. I really do appreciate that. Where we are headed remains a bit of a mystery. I did say 2017 was going to be a bit of a circus. I think I was right. As usual, give yourselves a round of applause for surviving yet another week. Did you do it? Good job. Let's waste no time. I believe James is patiently waiting. Let's bring him in. So much to get into here with him, and I don't want to waste too much time rambling on. And James, what's going on? Ha, ha, ha. Well, well, the Donald came around. I, I You know, James, I've been telling you for months about the October surprise. You think this is the October surprise? It's slightly. It, it might come. Maybe at a later time. Well, I think he did this out of uh, concern for his image that too many were suggesting he was a puppet of the intelligence agencies for not releasing it all. Because, of course, you know, the original plan was to release 3,100 files. But Correct. he then compromised and released 28 and holding 300 in abeyance for six months. And you got to know, while he was under tremendous pressure, those uh, 300 are going to be the important ones. I mean, I have done several interviews talking about what to look for, and I'll just mention that, to the best of my knowledge, as yet we have not seen, for example, the files from George Joannidis, who was the PSYOPs guy for the CIA, who was deeply involved not only in the assassination of JFK, but also 
in the death of his brother Bobby at the Ambassador Hotel in California. So that, that would be highly significant. They have been guarding that massively. They, they, they don't want to have that out. So my frank belief is they would destroy it before they'd release it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a chance we'll get it. Yes. And it, right. We'll get in, into that in a minute here. In, in addition, uh, Marita Lawrence, who had been a mistress of Adele, who'd actually traveled to Dallas with some of the guys who were planning to participate in the assassination, learning what it was all about, wanted nothing to do with it, got out of town. There was an attempt made to murder her so she couldn't testify before the House Select Committee on Assassinations when it reinvestigated the case in 1977-78. It would release its final report in 1979, where Frank right. Sturgis, who actually fired the shot from the intersection of the triple underpass and the picket fence from an above-ground sewer opening that hit JFK in the approximately in the right temple with a frangible or exploding bullet that blew his brains out the back of his already weakened cranium because he'd already been hit in the back of the head by a shot fired from the Dow Techs, where there was an anti-Castro Cuban by the name of Nestor Tony Escadro using a Manlicher Carcano, which was the only unsilenced weapon being used in Dealey Plaza. And because it's such an unreliable weapon known as the humanitarian rifle in World War II for never actually harming anyone on purpose, he fired three shots. This out the acoustical impression of only three shots having been fired, but one missed and hit a curbing and injured a distant bystander by the name of James Tagg. Another missed and hit the chrome strip above the windshield. But the third hit JFK in the back of the head, which was, of course, the intent when William Greer, the driver, pulled the limousine to the left and to a halt to make sure he would be killed after bullets had already begun to be fired. So when Jack was hit in the back of the head by that shot, he slumped forward. Jackie eased him up, was looking him right in the face, trying to figure out what was going on when he was hit in the right temple by that frangible exploding bullet. Fired by Sturgis, who was a soldier of fortune, CIA, sometimes mob, sometimes may have been the best marksman in the world at the time. Where Sturgis came to uh, New York to murder Marita. And when he entered her apartment, he was apprehended by a New York Gold Shield detective by the name of Jim Rostein, who's described the apprehension to me in our own direct conversations and a, his partner. So Rothstein put a gun up to Sturgis's head, his partner to his chest. They took him into custody at one point. Uh, Rothstein said, good shooting and Sturgis acknowledged that he had shot JFK, said it was because he betrayed the brigade at the Bay of Pigs, which was a false impression that the CIA allowed to stand so that the anti-Castro Cubans, this ragtag band of mercenaries who wouldn't divert their anger toward the agency itself. And because Jack had cavorted with beautiful women, some of whom were spies for East Germany, which, alas, turns out to be true, in fact, that's one of the points Lyndon Johnson made in forcing himself on the ticket in Los yes. Angeles in 1960 when Bobby came by with a purely poor pro forma offer to run with JFK, who had already offered uh, Stuart Symington of Missouri uh, the opportunity to be his rainmate, but gave him overnight to think about it. And when Bobby went by the Johnson suite, he never imagined that Lyndon would take it seriously. He was startled when he jumped on it. And in fact, he threatened to expose that JFK had uh, 
Addison's disease and wasn't expected to live a long, healthy life, that he had had these dalliances, information he'd obtained from J. Edgar Hoover, his close friend and neighbor, who was the godfather to one of Lyndon's daughters. And he also added that if he were not on the ticket, then any legislative proposals from the White House would be dead on arrival. Bobby, because in his position as a powerful majority leader, he bottled them up. Bobby and Jack were distraught, but they couldn't figure a way out of it and acceded to taking Lyndon on the ticket. When one of Johnson's wealthy backers learned of it, he burst into the Johnson suite cursing and swearing because now Lyndon was going to help JFK become president of the United States. Bobby Baker took him into a room and explained what they had in mind. He came out all smiles and said that was an excellent plan. Bobby would later state publicly that JFK would not live out his first term and that he would die a violent death. Lyndon actually sent his chief administrative assistant, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. Now, Sturgis didn't murder Marita. She actually gave two boxes of documents because she'd kept very meticulous records to the House Select Committee on Assassinations in closed hearing. So if those were to emerge, Michael, that would right. be a real blockbuster. Well, but, that's what know, we're waiting for, right? Well, if I'm saying, you know, uh, what I what I'm explaining is there are at least those two uh, repository of, of information in the possession of the government if they haven't already been destroyed. And remember, when the JFK Records Act was passed by Congress in the wake of the resurgence of interest generated by Oliver Stone's film JFK, George Herbert Walker Bush, then president, vigorously opposed the legislation and after it passed, in spite of his opposition, refused to appoint the five members to the civilian board that were entrusted with the authority to de declassify the documents and records from the CIA, the Secret Service, the FBI, Office of Naval Intelligence, and so forth which had to await the incoming Clinton, Bill Clinton administration took 18 months to organize. So they all had ample opportunity then to clean up their act. It had a clause with a 25-year expiration date, which is why we've had this release now. The end of the 25 years had, has now come. And Trump very much, to his credit, has uh, reversed his earlier decision to withhold 300 and is now releasing them all. So we'll see what we have here, Michael. Yeah, that threw you me know. for a loop, the fact that he first was opposed and then all of a sudden he's open to the idea. Well, I think it's a matter of his image. Right. Too many people were telling him it made him look like he was a stooge of the intel agencies. Uh, Donald does not want to be perceived as a stooge. His initial inclination was to release them all. And it was only under, you know, adamant opposition, again, this time from the intel agencies, this guy Pompeo, for example, head of the CIA, claimed that it would do uh, irreversible damage to the national security of the United States. Well, if you stop and think about it, if the official account of three lucky shots by this uh, disgruntled ex-Marine right. was the truth, then there's no sec national security aspect of the case at all. So the fact that we've had all these documents withheld on the grounds of national security is prime of fascia proof that the official story is a complete poppycock. And, of course, many students of JFK have proven that Lee Oswald was framed. The backyard photographs, one of which he was shown by Will Fritz when he was being interrogated, he said that was his face based on someone else's body and we'd be able to prove it. 
Uh, well, Jim Mars and I co-authored an article entitled Framing the Patsy, the case of Lee Harvey Oswald, where we brought together the proof, a lot of which had come from Jack White, who'd gone I, I forgot, I forgot all about the whole, uh, you and Jim Mars and working together. I forgot all about that. Yeah, well. Jim was a great guy, and of course his book, uh, Crossfire, was one of the two primary sources for Oliver Stone's film, with the other being, of course, Jim Garrison's On the Trail of the Assassins, where, as is portrayed in the movie... Poor Jim is, Mars, by the way. He would yeah. have loved all, all of what's going on right now. Oh, he would have. Yeah, I think so. Still, he would, yeah. He, he's only been gone about six months. It's, it's kind of wild. It's pretty... I can't believe that he's gone. Well, you know, as, as, as JFK once observed, you know, the, 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 this whole thing, so many certain properties that keep us together that we all breathe the same air, we all drink right. the same water, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we are all mortal. Yep. And, we really are. And, and Jim, I have to say, welcome back to the program. We kind of jumped right in there and so much has gone on since the last time we talked on the air. The whole Las Vegas shooting went down. Oh, yeah. And just yeah. the whole official narrative has been just, it's completely turned to 180. The shooter's brother now, of course, popped for child porn. Everything has gone really strange. Well, I can tell you a lot about that, but we may want to spend a few more minutes on JFK unless you want to go to Las Vegas now and return later. There's, I... there's so much to get into. Uh, with with JFK, I had a lot to say about that, and and of course the whole child porn thing. But you know, I must first ask, what is the situation with Jeff Rince? You gotta you gotta take me into all of that. I'm just I well, am completely I baffled. I, I think we should do it in two parts. Frankly, I think since we're on JFK, we ought to stay there. But I mean, we can devote the whole second hour to to Las Vegas because I can lay it all out. All right, I mean, we can do that too. Well, the bottom line is no it was a movie. They had a pre-recorded uh, soundtrack they played over the amplifier system. They had a visual effects of machine guns and, and military weapons being fired from the Mandalay. The, the body in the suite was murdered. It wasn't a suicide. They did a sloppy job of arranging the evidence. Um, nobody appears to have died. I, I have done a huge amount on this. And when you talk about Jeff Rance, uh, he was upset with me because he was pushing the line that it was all real and that Muslims were responsible, which I think, frankly, is ludicrous. Wait a minute. He was saying that? Yeah. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? Muslims were responsible? He was for hours and hours on end while he was trashing me. I mean, it's completely ludicrous. He, uh, let, let me tell you about last week. Go on, ahead. on Tuesday of, Tuesday of last week, uh, Scott Bennett, who's a former Army Intel and, and PSYOPs officer, right. and I did a two-hour and 20-minute interview with Harry Cassidy where I had over 90 slides about Las Vegas. Oh, my. That's a big presentation yeah. there. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was on Tuesday. Uh, got a very positive reception. You can track it down. You know, Project Camelot, uh, Las Vegas or Vegas update with Dr. James Fetzer and Scott Bennett. You can find it in. A lot of people really think it's quite comprehensive and thorough and goes into many of the points to which I've already alluded. Uh, then on, on Wednesday for the third hour on the power hour, I gave a, a, it was, I've done a lot of interviews, Michael, but this particular third hour was, you know, one of the best, most concise, clearly organized, absolutely on the point. I mean, it was just really at the top of my game. And then, and then Thursday, 
when I came on to the, the raw deal on rents where I've had this show two years, nearly two years now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the raw deal originally from seven to eight, but this year extended from seven to nine, where in fact Scott became the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, I was a Tuesday, Thursday, seven to nine central, eight to 10 uh, Eastern time. Scott and his uh, colleague, Michael J. Anderson had the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. When I came on uh, to my show, on uh, Thursday, I came on aware that Jeff had spent the night before, because after our two-hour show, Jeff would do a three-hour show of his own every night and usually feature a different guest each of the three hours. And many times in the past, he not only featured me regularly the first and third Thursday during the second hour of his show, but he's brought me in, you know, additionally, I think one week he had me on maybe four different times. I'm just astonished. Time. I mean, I thought you and Jeff were, were basically like, like good friends. You were always on the show. Well, uh, I think all this has been very strange for his uh, listeners because heretofore he had been praising me. I mean, as a, uh, you know, among the best of the best, my stellar research. JFK 9-11, Sandy Hook. I mean, you know, he was really touting my skills. I, I got to be honest here with you, Jim. First of all, I need to make it clear that I have no personal ill will towards anyone, really. And, you know, I've never really listened to a show. The only time I've listened to him is when you were on, on there with him. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know because, you know, I read his his blog, the post that he made about you, where he said you're not being truthful. Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, let me spell it all out. Let me tell you exactly what happened. Sure. Uh, he, he had been becoming increasingly Islamophobic. You know, in fact, I probably had had uh, 10 emails from listeners who were troubled about that. And I, of course, had noticed it myself. So I'd written to him saying, Jeff, you know, I mean, I'm getting a lot of reports that you're coming across as Islamophobic. And he would write, he wrote back very concisely about that's because he is, you know, because he thinks that the Muslims are responsible for A to Z. I mean, he wasn't making any bones about it. And let's see, it must have been, I think it was on the 17th that I wrote him to tell him that Scott and I were going to move to a different network on the 1st of November, okay? I did that as a personal courtesy. I mean, we, we have this whole block of two hours, the shows before his show, five days a week. So I certainly felt he was owed an obligation. Uh, Something people do not know is that Rents actually charges hosts for having shows on his on his network. He charges and, you? Yeah, me, Scott. He, he charges everybody. I mean, it's uh, strange in retrospect because I'm now going to be starting my ninth show, and this is the one and only show where I was ever charged a nickel. In fact, I'm going to Revolution Radio. So is Scott. And we're going to begin on uh, uh, November 1st, which is a Wednesday. So Scott's going to be doing his show, Shell Game, on Wednesday and Friday, beginning November 1st. I'm going to do my show where I'm carrying over. I originally was going to change the title, but I decided, what's the point? People know it as The Raw Deal. The Raw Deal. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to keep it as the raw deal Tuesday and Thursday. So Scott will be on the first time on Wednesday. I'll be on the first time on the 2nd of November on uh, Thursday with the raw deal. And then the Monday slot for that same time, and it's, again, a two-hour time interval, but earlier in the day because it's going to be from uh, uh, 3 to 5 Central, 4 to 6, 4 to 6 Eastern, 3 to 5 Central, 1 to 3 Pacific, okay? 
on Revolution Radio Studio B. So I had notified Jeff that we were going to be departing for another network on the 1st of November. I'm sure it came as quite a jolt. And uh, my 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 candid opinion is he wanted to find an explanation for why we were separating that wouldn't be embarrassing to him. So as it happened, when I did my show on Thursday night, I did that in the awareness that the night before on the third hour, he played this audio track over and over again, talking about how you can hear the sound of shots hitting the ground and so forth, unaware that it was pre-recorded, that it wasn't done in real time at the time of the event at the concert where I'm convinced nobody died. It was all, you know, uh, an elaborate shit. Yes. Uh, it was a made-for-TV production. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, but just... Cover the whole thing with Jeff here really quickly oh, before before we forget I, that part. I I am Michael, mind you, I am. Oh, this is oh, okay. This so is he's part of the story. On, he's going on about the reality of it in this third hour of the night before. He's been playing this audio tape over and over, and he's starting to gravitate to the position that anyone who thinks this isn't real is somehow either you know cognitively impaired or morally corrupt. I mean, you know, give me a break. So I, I'm, I'm trying to give him an out by pointing out that he and, and Mike Adams as another have been taken in by evidence that in fact wasn't authentic. If you assume the soundtrack was actually authentic and recorded at the time of the event, then, you know, his position would make sense. But I've been through this before with JFK. The key to understanding the assassination of Jack Kennedy is separating the authentic from the inauthentic or fabricated evidence. I began to talk about the backyard photographs where Jim Mars and I did a study. Uh, Lee himself said that was his face pasted on someone else's body. He knew something about photography. Eventually he'd be able to prove it. Well, he was 100% correct. There actually turned out to be four of these photographs. They all had the same face, exact same expression, even though they're taken in different poses at different times, and that's an optical impossibility, okay, to have this exact same face, four different poses taken at different times. Now, in addition, the jaw is not Lee Oswald's jaw. There's an insert line between the jaw and the lower lip. The fingers of the right hand holding these two communist papers, the worker and the militant, which, by the way, have roughly antithetical within the framework of communism uh, uh, outlooks, views, or philosophies, so that when the followers of one would encounter followers of the other, they get into fistfights and try to kill each other. I got that from an expert on the history of communism. He was holding the man liquor Carcano, which is uh, a, a really ridiculous choice. He could have obtained a far superior weapon on any street corner in Dallas without having to even show any ID. But it was part of framing him that they had to create a paper trail. I mean, this is something at which the CIA excels, fabricating phony documents, records, photographs. That's what they do. Uh, in addition, he's wearing a pistol ball, uh, belt with a revolver with which he is alleged to have shot Officer J.D. Tippett. Now, this is a very interesting aside. Uh, uh, Tippett was shot about 1.10 in the afternoon. You know, the assassination went down about 12.30. Uh, uh, a police car came by the rooming house where Lee had a room, oh, roughly about 1 o'clock, and honked a couple of times, which appears to have been a signal to go to the Texas theater to meet his handler to deal with whatever. He took his 
took his jacket and his uh, revolver with him. Well, he's supposed to have shot Officer Tippett. The, the, the first officer on the scene discovered four shell casings that had been ejected from automatics, and he initialed them. They were two makes, uh, Remington Rand and Western. But since Lee had a revolver, those cannot have been his shell casings, and in fact, he was already in the Texas theater where a fellow named Butch Burroughs was selling him popcorn. You can find Butch Barrow's uh, statement and affidavit online about selling Lee popcorn at the Texas Theater at about 110 when J.D. Tippett is being shot. So, you know, obviously Lee didn't shoot J.D. Tippett. In fact, Aquila Clemens, who was sitting across the street, said two men had shot Tippett, and neither of them looked like Oswald. When it was realized that the shell casings were from automatics rather than from revolver, they simply made a substitution of the evidence. And they put in all now revolver cartridges, only now there were three of one making one of the other. And they didn't have the initials of the first officer on the scene. I mean, it's this level of, of fraud and deception that's gone into making the case for Lee Oswald yes. as the lone assassin. By the way, Jim, did you see this um, document here? I'm sending you this image really quickly here. Just curious. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, this is the Homer document, right? Right. Yeah, I, 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 that actually is already in the Mary Farrell archives, but I like that it's out here because it is so interesting. And, and, and let us return to it because I have. Yes. No I have, uh, three or four, uh, you know, samples of the recent releases. There's I'd so much to get into here. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of wild here. Well, it is. So much yeah. information to get into. I know so, some some weird ad has just popped up on my desktop. Uh oh. Let let me let me continue. Now. Yes, go ahead. Uh, which is this? Uh, uh, they even had the 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 arrest report for Lee Oswald, which was written uh, uh timed at one forty, which was before he was actually apprehended. Stated this man shot and killed President John F. Kennedy and wounded Governor John Connolly, and then added. He also shot and killed Officer J.D. Tippett. This was in the arrest report for a man ostensibly a suspect. I mean, this is just showing how much they were framing him, how much they, you know, they they had their man. As an aside, again, I was anchored out aboard the LPH landing platform helicopter Iwo Jima, which carries helicopters, so it doesn't have to have a deep keel like an ordinary carrier because helicopters, vertical Ascent and descent doesn't require a stable, long runway, as does do fixed-wing aircraft. So I was I was the mortar, uh, the fire direction officer for a mortar battery in the 1st Battalion, 3rd Marine Corps, 3rd Division in the U.S. Marine Corps, and we were anchored out in Kaohsiung Harbor when the officer of the deck awakened me at 3.30 in the morning to tell me that JFK had been shot. Then he awakened me an hour later and told me they caught the guy who'd done it. He was a communist. And I thought then it was pretty fast work. Well, it was such fast work, they actually had him convicted in the arrest report before he was even apprehended. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, well, the Dallas police appear to have had the role of framing the patsy, and they did it in a very haphazard fashion. Now, it turns out this this fellow who is standing in for Lee, well, let me begin, return to the communist newspapers. Jack White, of course, realized they had known dimensions, and that meant they could be used as an internal yardstick to determine the height of the individual posing there. We knew independently Lee was about five foot ten. Uh, when you use that yardstick, the individual in the photograph is only five foot six, or alternatively, when they 
fabricated the photograph. They put it in the newspapers too large, which, of course, is in fact what happened because the fellow is standing in for him, whom Jim and I have been able to identify, and which identification was confirmed only in the last two days by a different technique by Larry Rivera, who's uh, doing just absolutely brilliant work on JFK, even as we speak. Because this guy had a funny lump on his right wrist. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, what could I describe it? It's almost like he had a mushroom under your skin. Okay, it's about of that order. That's weird. Yeah, it was about an inch and a half round, elevated, you know, some kind of bone injury, I suspect. Well, it turns out that an officer, a Dallas police officer, was on the grassy knoll who had ties to the CIA by the name of Roscoe White, had that funny lump on his arm. And what Larry did uh, is to take a photograph we had of Roscoe White in a swimsuit and use it as a template against, uh, you know, the, the backyard photograph guy. And it's Roscoe White who had broader shoulders than Lee, but he had the right build, the right height, the right weight. And it, it, I mean, this just further corroborates Jim and I had already determined that it was Roscoe White who actually fired a shot on the grassy knoll, but he pulled it. They were under strict instructions that Jackie should not be harmed. Uh, I think there were several reasons for that, including that Lyndon wanted to have a Jackie, you know, say splattered with blood at his side when sworn in on the plane, which actually wasn't necessary. Queen Bobby had told him he should be sworn in, but he just made that up. Lyndon Lyndon was known as Lying Lyndon for lots of reasons. I mean, he was a truly ruthless uh, almost uh, animalistic human being who had brooked no opposition. He he had a kind of a gift to size people up, uh, men in particular, almost instantly, and could discern their weaknesses and their strengths. There's a completely brilliant book about him by Phil Nelson entitled LBJ Mastermind of JFK's Assassination. And while some students of JFK have, have, have sought to trivialize the title, mastermind, as though he planned every element. No, he was a pivotal figure. He forced himself on the ticket so he could accede to the presidency after JFK was taken out and he could cover it up and guarantee that no one would ever be punished for their participation in removing his predecessor. By the way, uh, Jim, did you ever listen to the audio tapes of Jackie Kennedy? Oh, it was a ABC. No, I don't think I have. It's wonderful. Jackie, of course. Mm-hmm. She believed like that. Evelyn, Evelyn yeah. Lincoln, who was Jack's executive secretary, wrote she... a letter to a high school student identifying those she believed had been involved. And she went down a list talking about uh, Lyndon Johnson. Right. And, uh, you know, the anti-Castro Cubans. She and... believed LBJ whacked him. Well, she was right. LBJ did whack him. I, mean, I think that's so. 100% correct. He was involved. I, mean, I think I, I, I can't tell think you so. how many ways I can prove this, but the fact is I actually had over a hundred conversations with a, one of Lyndon's mistresses, Madeline Duncan Brown, with whom he began an affair in 1948. Uh, they, she bore him a son, Stephen, in 1950. Uh, she was at the ratification meeting at the home of Clint Murkison Sr., one of the great oil barons of the time, the night before. Uh, J- J- Madeline, because of her relationship with Lyndon, would be invited to all these exclusive social events. There were only about three dozen people there, but it included some heavy hitters. For example, J. Edgar Hoover was there. Right. She initially thought that the event was in his honor because he'd frequently stop and stay at the home of Clint Murkison on his way to the 
the uh, 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 racetrack, Del Mar racetrack in California, where invariably when when Edgar put down a bet, his horse would win. Well, it just so happens Clint Murkison owned the Del Mar race. Richard Nixon was there. She remembered very clearly because a Republican, a local Republican leader who worked in the same bank building where she was a young advertising executive had driven him out to the event. Uh, George Brown, Brown and Root Heavy Construction would become Brown Root Kellogg. Uh, would after, during the war, obtain a, a contract to dredge a new port at Comron Bay, even though Vietnam has many magnificent natural ports, and I'm quite sure it didn't need another, but they received a billion dollars to dredge a new port at Comron Bay. By the way, uh, Jim, th- these tapes also revealed that JFK was having an affair with a 19-year-old intern, and Jackie also apparently found this woman's underwear in, the, in their bedroom. Yeah, well, Jack had lots of these dalliances, but he wasn't a great lover. I mean, here's a, here's an illustrative case. Angie Dickinson that said that her her affair with JFK was the greatest 15 seconds of her life. <laughs> oh no! Well, you know, JFK was well. He, don't don't he, don't get too offended he, here, but you know, JFK was um, grabbing pussy before it was popular, Jim. Look, I know. <laughs> You know, he had two secretaries, you know, his fiddle and faddle. He was having a good time in the White House. In the the, the swimming pool in the White House. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that JFK cared about the country. No doubt. He had his personal shortcomings. I'm just saying he was a regular guy. (laughs) Yeah. Let me just spell out some of this, Michael, okay? Go ahead. The sponsors of the assassination included the CIA because Jack was threatening to shatter it into a thousand pieces. In the wake of the Bay of Pigs, he had Bobby and Maxwell Taylor conduct an investigation. Uh, it, it turned out they even knew Castro already had the date of the invasion, which he'd obtained from the Soviet Union, and the CIA knew Castro knew we were co- coming. So the Soviets knew, Castro knew, the CIA knew. The only one who did not know was the commander-in-chief, who undoubtedly would have called it off. Jack had also directed that the covert ops run by the CIA be supervised by the Pentagon. Neither the Joint Chiefs nor the CIA were happy about that. It was going to significantly curtail their freedom of action in the world, but, you know, we're... They have conducted, as of now, over 80 coups and assassinations. I mean, the, the, the world would be a totally different place had the agency never been created, which Harry Truman just realized in I retrospect agree. was the yes. greatest mistake of his administration. The anti-Castro-Cubans, of course, were furious because they believed falsely, as I've already explained, that he had betrayed them. Uh, uh, the mafia was very concerned because Bobby was cracking down on organized crime with more indictments and convictions and ever before in history. In fact, just as Edgar had sex dossiers and all the members of Congress, the mafia had one on him, including compromising photographs of him with his close personal friend Clyde Tolson. Uh-oh. Yeah, Edgar, incidentally, you may be unaware, liked to dress up as a woman. Oh, uh, no, he was into that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a oh, freak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find photographs of him dressed up as a woman. Oh, man. You you won't find these other photographs, which I could describe but shall not, you know, with his close personal friend, Clyde Well, thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. (laughs) But because of that, you see, because the mom had a dossier on on Edgar, he, he... uh, could not acknowledge the existence of organized crime and that till after the Joe Velocci. Uh, a lot of a lot of these guys were kind of closeted freaks, weren't they, Jim? Well, I mean, they were certainly closeted. There's no question no, about yeah. it. Yeah, something was going on. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but I mean, the fact is, once Joe Valachi described the structure of the Cosa Nostra in such detail and precision, it was no longer politically possible to deny its existence. The the Eastern establishment surrounding the Fed was upset because although it was not done by means of Executive Order 11110, as uh, you know, Corbett, uh, right. James Corbett recently James Corbett. did a, a, an interview with a guy about uh, Jackal Island, you know, Griffiths, mm-hmm. about that executive order uh, saying that many people think that Jack had directed the Treasury to print interest-free dollars. And Corbett with Griffith was debunking that, but he committed a blunder. They're two separate issues. Yes, Executive Order 11110 does not concern the uh, uh, printing of United States notes, but Jack had separately and independently directed the United States Treasury to print United States notes. When I was a young Marine Corps officer, I held one of these bills in my hand. It had a red embossed imprint. It said United States note. He had hundreds of millions of them printed, and you can look it up. You can go, you know, just look up United States note. They were non-interest-bearing notes. I mean, he thought it was absurd for the American government to have a consortium of private banks print the currency of the United States for interest. In other words, the Fed makes money from the government from the government for printing the currency of the United States. Totally unnecessary. So Jack had the Treasury print interest-free United States notes. And, of course, you know, I'm talking about things now, a whole series of very important policy differences because of which the sponsors wanted Lyndon in and Jack out. Uh, uh, the, the oil boys, for example, Jack was threatening to cut the oil depletion allowance, a massive ta- tax write-off they had, they had acquired by claiming that pumping oil out of the ground because it was a finite resource, they were putting themselves out of business. And, I mean, we have no more known oil reserves in the world today than we did in 1963. So, I mean, that was just poppycock. Right. Uh, and, of course, the, Israel was upset because Jack was at loggerheads with David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister and a founder of the state of Israel, over Israel's de- desire to develop nuclear weapons, which Jack opposed. He thought it would precipitate a nuclear arms race. Which, of course, is why this particular note you have uh, pulled up is of such interest. Uh, let me see if I can, can, can read it here, since it, it, it's one of the revelations. This is from Homer Echevera, Echevera Homer S., individuals listed by Protective Research. November 1963 informant, and he belonged to, a, I think it was called the, the November... It was a November 7th, one of these many anti-Castro organizations, among which the most vicious was Alpha 66. November 1963, informant advised Chicago office that subject was member of anti-Castro Cuba group. Subject allegedly approached informant to provide machine guns for Cuba uh, revolution. 11-21-63, subject allegedly told informant. Now, this would be the day before the assassination. Correct. Uh, we now have plenty of money. Our new backers are Jews as soon as we or they take care of Kennedy. Subject expressed favorable attitude toward LBJ. Now that part, we now have plenty of money. Our new backers are Jews as soon as we or they take care of Kennedy is a quote. So, you know, there, that's there's pretty a book, damning. But, this is pretty uh, damning that this is on, on a document. Well, sure. I yes. Mean, you know, but 
if we had all the documents, you know, long ago, we would have known so much more long ago rather than having to force, you know, citizen investigators to sort it all out. The people that the CIA was labeling as conspiracy theorists in an effort to shift the burden of proof so that if somebody who was criticizing the Warren Commission, as I have been doing by pointing out the Mandlicker Carcano was a ridiculous choice for a weapon, that the backyard photographs were fake using someone else, as even Lee Oswald had pointed out to Will Fritz, then they wanted to, you know, find a way to stifle the criticism by calling them conspiracy theorists as though they had no foundation for Correct. their allegations yeah. or alternatively, that they were only entitled to have an opinion if they could explain exactly what had happened in every detail related to every party who had anything to do with it. But let me tell you, the absurdity of that is manifest for anyone who was alive at the time, because the national networks did a massive, this was the day that television became an indispensable part of the American family. Uh, for example, on NBC, you can still go back, you can find it's like a five and a half or six hours. And you'll see Chet Huntley and a couple of other lesser-known figures who are receiving these reports. And among the reports they put out, you can see in the broadcast, it was put out on national television that day, was a, a wound to the throat, a small, clean, puncture wound to the throat that was obviously a wound of entry and therefore, of course, had been fired from in front. Malcolm Perry, M.D., who was a surgeon who had performed a simple tracheostomy incision through this small, clean puncture wound, had explained to the assembled press at 1.30, this is known as the Parkland Press Conference, where he and the head of the, uh, of the, the neurology division, Kemp Clark, uh, uh, neurological surgery, uh, spoke to the press assembly. After Malcolm killed up, the acting press secretary had reported to the world that JFK was dead at 1 o'clock, pointing to his right temple and saying it was a simple matter of a bullet through the head. So here you have Malcolm Perry during the, the, the Parkland Press Conference reporting three different times this was a wound of entry that the bullet was coming at him. I mean, it was unmistakably clear. I, in fact published the transcript from the Parkland Press Conference in the first of three books I did, where I brought together the best experts to ever study the case to apply scientific methods to the examination of the evidence, including a world authority on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, having supervised an emergency medical hospital for injured Okinawan, uh, Okinawans and Japanese prisoners of war during the Battle of Okinawa. Uh, a PhD in physics is also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, which of course is a treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy. So he was an expert on the interpretation of x-rays. A physician who was actually in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in and then two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald. I included the Parkland press conference just as I did the Bethesda autopsy report as appendices to assassination science, 1998. Yes, and you've done a tremendous job gathering inf information about the JFK assassination for many years, Jim. Well, I've been at it seriously since 1992, which yeah. is 25, 25 years. But the fact of the matter is, see, David went into the, David W. Mantic, MD, PhD, went into the National Archives for the first time 
in uh, late 1992, after we'd made contact, I had been dumbfounded when my wife had come into the bedroom where I was reading the paper and drinking a cup of coffee and flipped on the TV and said, you won't believe this. And there was a very distinguished looking man behind a lectern with the logo of the American Medical Association denouncing everyone who'd ever done serious research on JFK. Right. And singling out Charles Crenshaw, who had published a book called Conspiracy of Silence about how all the physicians who were there at Parkland were given the strictest instructions that their career would be over if they ever talked about anything they'd seen. I mean, this is a really ridiculous, if you stop and ponder, why should the physicians who were in heroic efforts to try to save the life of the president, who, by the way, was already dead in Dealey Plaza, be restricted from talking about it? Uh, it only makes sense once you understand this was part of the cover-up. They're trying to stifle the best witnesses who'd seen the wounds up close and personally, including this wound to the throat. The other wound that was broadcast was was consistent with Malcolm Kilduff's report that it was a simple matter of a bullet right through the head. They reported that a bullet had entered the right temple and blown out the back of his head. And they said, that, you know, the report that it was a, a simple matter of a bullet right through the head it was attributed to Admiral George Berkeley, who was the president's personal physician, which was totally appropriate, and it was completely accurate, completely accurate. Now, later on, if you're watching the viewing, you know, the stories begin to trickle in that the assassin was above and behind, that he was supposed to have been in the book depository, so that Frank McGee, later in the evening, who's so, so nobody's fool, says, this is incongruous. How can the man have been shot from in front from behind. And, you know, anybody like this Gerald Posner, who wrote a, a, a watered-down version of the Warren Commission in a book called Case, Case Closed, wants to claim that it's cut and dry that Lee Oswald shot him, you know, with three lucky shots from the sixth floor of the book depository. I mean, that's because he's a purveyor of disinformation. He's part and parcel of a very elaborate scheme to mislead the American people. That's what you were being accused of, Jim. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get, I'll get back to that. But, Ryan, but you, but you're joining the club, so have I. Don't worry. It's, uh, it's so ridiculous. Well, it, it, it's frankly absurd. Anyone who's aware of my history of research where I bring together the best experts on different subjects and have exposed again and again and again government complicity, not only in JFK, but in 9-11 and Wellstone and Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing. I have a new book on Charlottesville coming out, also expose the moon landings, a host of other issues. I mean, it's just absurd. I'm a former Marine Corps officer. Uh, I graduated magna cum laude from Princeton University. I majored in philosophy when Princeton was number one in the world in math, physics, and philosophy. I wrote my undergraduate thesis for the most important philosopher of science in the world at the time. I was commissioned in the Marine Corps on graduation, served four years, resigned my commission as a captain, in where I had served 13 months in the Far East, but not in Vietnam. Tra we were stationed on Okinawa with training ops in Japan, Korea, Formosa. I mentioned being anchored out aboard the USS Iwo Jima when Jack was shot in the, in the Philippines. Uh, uh, I came back to the United States and I was signed to the recruit depot where I was a series commander with 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command through the training cycle. Then I was moved up to regimental headquarters to revise the training program from one on which we could train 8,000 recruits in 11 weeks 
to one on which using the same facilities, we could train 11,000 recruits in eight weeks. And I was there to see it operate at maximum efficiency, about which I have certain reservations now because I think the war was a tragic mistake. Uh, I resigned my commission as a captain to enter graduate school. Uh, I earned my Ph.D. in the history and the philosophy of science at Indiana University. Uh, uh, where the, 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 the most influential philosopher had recommended to study with his leading critic. And I wrote my undergraduate thesis on probability and explanation for the leading critic. And, uh, I spent a year at Columbia. I mean, I studied with the best philosophers of science in the world. My first book was dedicated to the other who was in the UK, Sir Karl Popper, uh, who had a profound effect upon me. Then I spent 35 years offering courses in logic, critical thinking, scientific reasoning. I published two dozen books before my retirement in 2006, including on the theoretical foundations of scientific reasoning, scientific knowledge uh, of, of artificial intelligence, of computer science, of cognitive science, uh, evolution and mentality. I mean, look. I'm just not the kind of person who can be bought. So, in I, other words, you're having a great time at the Central I'm Intelligence Office, right? I'm having a great time. Right? This, is, this is what I'm here for. I've been devoting myself <laughs> since my retirement in uh, yes. 2006 to blowing apart, you know, these cases where the government's trying to deceive the American people. In fact, I was leading up to make that point when that George Lundberg, who was the editor-in-chief of the Journal of the AMA, was on television. Uh, I already had extensive editorial experience. I'd been an associate editor for 10 years of Synthes, a world-famous journal for epistemology, methodology, and the philosophy of science. I would found my own journal, uh, Minds and Machines, uh, devoted to artificial intelligence, philosophy, and cognitive science, where... I was told repeatedly I'd assembled the best editorial board for a journal ever attained in history, and I can tell you for a fact that's exactly right because I knew it was indispensable to have a high-quality editorial board, and I gave it a lot of thought. And I figured, who was the guy who, if he were a member of the board, the others would want to join also as members of the board? And I proceeded that way, and I put it together, and it was absolutely sensational. I mean, I like had a... 10 or 12 of the the most outstanding figures in these fields. I mean, bar none. I had them on my editorial board. Now, when I'm looking at this editor-in-chief of the Journal of the AMA, giving, you know, abusing his position for political purposes, describing interviews he did with two pathologists at, at Bethesda, who, by the way, had never autopsied a gunshot victim before, describing the interviews as science, describing them as new, neither of which was true. They'd given this kind of interview before, and what the interviews with physicians aren't science. I thought to myself, well, if someone of this level of distinction is going to abuse his position, perhaps some of us with special background and ability ought to become involved. That was, for me, the turning point when I realized uh, I wouldn't be fulfilling my obligations as a citizen were I not to become involved in. Uh, I mean, I've often been asked, you know, what motivates me where I tend to reply in the following way. As a philosopher, I care about truth. As a philosopher of science, I know that science is our most effective method for discovering the truth. And as a former Marine Corps officer, I care about my country. Well, all of those were distilled at this moment in time with my realization that, you know, if I didn't do it, who in the world could be expected to do it? I mean, I'm telling you, I was dealing with the most technical, 
difficult issues in the philosophy of science, which are the most technical, difficult issues in philosophy. So, you know, when it comes to intellectual challenges, I I already had established myself lots of uh, uh, recognition awards, uh, the Medal of the University of Helsinki, for example, an NSF uh, research fellowship. But, you know, it was just the the work I was doing was uh, so technical, so demanding, so precise, that if you took someone like me, and, and, and transferred me into a field where things are really loose, which are dominated by rumors and speculation, hearsay, it's going to make a tremendous difference because my whole methodology has been to take these conspiracy theories from theories in the weak sense of conjectures, rumors, or guesses to conspiracy theories in the strong sense of empirically testable explanatory hypotheses to determine whether they're true or false using primarily the principle known as inference to the best explanation, which is rooted in likelihood measures of evidential support, which, to put more simply, depend on determining which hypothesis, if it were true, would confer the highest probability on the available evidence, but, but, but where the hypothesis that confirms a higher uh, probability is preferable to those that confer lower or lesser, and where, when the evidence settles down or points in the same direction, you're entitled to accept the best-supported hypothesis as true in the tentative and fallible fashion of science, which means that you don't have any built-in guarantee that it's true, and it's always possible that new evidence might surface that cause you to revise, so you might have to reject an hypothesis you previously accepted, accept hypotheses you previously rejected, and leave others in, in suspense, which is what I have done. But that the indispensable prerequisite to the application of that principle is sorting out the difference between the authentic and the inauthentic evidence. So when I began our collaboration, when David went into the National Archive, he applied a technique known as optical densitometry to the uh, official JFK x-ray and discovered what he had suspected going in, that there was a region at the back of the his skull in the JFK x-rays that had been patched using a material much too dense to be human bone. And, of course, we'd suspected that because we have 20 witnesses who talked about this fist-sized blowout at the back of the head. In fact, Clint Hill, Secret Service agent, who was the first to observe it up close and personal, had climbed onto the limousine when Jackie went after a chunk of JFK's skull and brains that had blown out on the trunk, pushed her back into the seat, lay across, and peered right into this gaping, bloody, fist-sized hole in the back of his head. That was a gruesome image there. Yeah, but listen, it's crucial. So that he turned and gave his colleagues a thumb down. Well, not only did Clint Hill persistently report exactly what he'd observed for 50 years, but when they put out a book about the Secret Service in Dallas called The Kennedy Detail, to my utter astonishment, the sentence describing that is in the book, peering into the bloody fist-sized hole at the back of his head. You see, because as soon as you recognize that's true, and I say we had 20 other witnesses, including we had all the doctors at Parkland Hospital who'd seen this wound up close and personal, who described extruding a cerebellar as well as cerebral. These are two different kinds of brain tissue. Most of your brain is uh, uh, cerebral, sometimes called gray matter. But there's a compact part of your brain at the base. It's uh, the cerebellum. And the, the material here, brain tissue blown out, would look different. The, the cerebral would be a kind of gray, maggoty in appearance, okay? 
whereas uh, cerebellar would be more uh, reddish granular, more hamburger-like. So they observed this two kinds of brain tissue blown out of the, the wound at the back of the head already at Parkland Hospital. Well, all the witnesses had been dismissed on the ground that the autopsy x-ray didn't show it. So the explanation was given, oh, there was so much chaos and emotions that they must not have really, you know, must be reporting things they misremember that they didn't actually see. But the fact is they fabricated the x-rays. They changed them by patching uh, the World Authority on the Human Brain studied the the diagrams and photographs of the brain in the National Archives and concluded it couldn't possibly be the brain of JFK because it was a virtually completely intact brain, including a complete undamaged cerebellum and only minor damage at the top. But he had half his brains blown out in Dealey Plaza. And in fact, when they transferred, uh, transferred the body, when it was actually stolen from uh, Parkland Hospital forcibly by the Secret Service, who are deeply involved in all of this, put in a bronze ceremonial casket, transferred to Air Force One. When Lyndon had the swearing in with Jackie at his side, everyone was called forward with the exception of, a, uh, of one or possibly two who stayed by the casket. And while Lyndon was being sworn in, the body was taken out of the casket, put into a body bag. There's a compartment in the plane that is well known to those familiar with its design. So that when the, they landed at Andrews Air Force Base, while all attention was focused on the deloading of the bronze ceremonial casket with Bobby and Jackie there and Lyndon giving his little talk about how he would have given anything to not be here on this occasion when, in fact, it was all his handiwork coming to fruition. Uh, the body was actually being offloaded on the opposite side into a helicopter. It was flown to Walter Reed, where the best uh, forensic pathologists in the, in the military were awaiting to remove metal fragments from the body because the shooters, and I, I've identified six by name, rank, and serial number, the shots they fired, the effects they had, uh, whether they missed or whether they hit. Uh, and I believe there may well have been yet a seventh shooter uh, uh, where basically the different groups who were sponsoring put up their own people. So yeah. Had- oh, Jim, I believe we are joined by a call. Please hold your thought one second, Jim. I, I, I am sorry about that. A caller, what's going on? Did you have a question for Mr. Fetzer? Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah, what's going on? Did you have a question, sir? Uh, Jim, I have some insider knowledge of uh, why uh, Jeff Rents, uh let you go. Um, I don't know if you want to hear it or not, uh, or I could probably tell you, tell you off the air. Well, it's okay. Um, but you, you, you can tell us here. We're both grown men. Yeah, yeah you, you, just, to, just to skip ahead ever so briefly, and then we can return to the matter about JFK. Uh, I was already going to leave. Scott and I were going to leave. He needed an excuse to cover it up. Why? So he claimed. Uh, I mean, he canceled my show on the 19th right after I had a program I didn't quite complete describing to you, Michael, which was where right. I featured uh, an audio video expert who'd been studying using high-tech equipment and confirming that it was uh, too high a quality in its resolution. Yes, and I wanted to talk to you about that because I yeah, myself but, uh, yeah. produce a program. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it for many, many years, and I'd love to hear or get that raw file and look at the uh, sound waves myself. Well, well, you can hear the show mm-hmm. uh, on, because uh, I put it up, for example, there's several places, but it's a, 
Jeff Rents fired me for this program. You can find on YouTube. Uh, okay. Yes. Like Twenty thousand listens. I'll take a listen I mean, to that. It's just been hugely popular. Like the the thing I did with Kerry Kennedy with Scott Bennett. I right. Mean, it's had a lot of listeners. Okay, because people want to know what's going yeah, on. People are interested. Now, now, now you see, he is offering this theory that that was all real and that Muslims did it. And then he's he's gone on a rant subsequently. Uh, after he he fired me after the show, he sent me an well, email. Well, I have the insider knowledge of what's yeah, uh, yeah, what's I want uh, really to hear it. I want to hear it, but people won't understand why it's insider if they don't know what I already know. And then we can see what you can add to it. Is this? Did you uh, want me to tell you off the air? Or, uh, no, no. Because I'm kind of scared because uh, he's probably right. going to fire me now. Fire you? Why would he fire you? Oh. Yeah. oh. Well, look. Let me make it real concise. Then. I had a second guest, uh, Mona Alexis Presley. Uh, Dan Kramer is the guy who's the audio expert, by the way. I'd, I'd had him on the show before, and he turned out to be so good. I was eager to get him back. Where Mona has been going through the uh, all the uh, obituaries for the 58 uh, plus Stephen Paddock, who's supposed to have died, that were published in USA Today, and she found that the obituaries were contrived. That she she went through 19 of them initially, and she continuing his research, and they were they died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. Now. I was explaining why Jeff, and I was talking about him by name, had uh, had had mistaken, you know, a fabricated piece of evidence, namely the audio tape for one having been done at the time. But he went into this. He he. Uh, I I published a blog entitled, you know, Jeff Jeff Retz fired me for uh, uh you know debunking Las Vegas fantasies, including ones of he himself, of course. But I mean, so he had the fashion. A rationale for what happened. He claimed, in Michael, you asked me, he said I lied. Yeah. He said I lied by claiming that I, I resigned. But I resigned effective one November. He fired me on the 19th of October. A child could see that I wasn't lying. Rents was lying to try to cover himself. But please do go ahead and give us your, your take on the, the reasons behind yeah. it. I'm very, very interested. Step, yeah. step it up. Let's go. Well, thank you for giving me some time to speak. My God. Um, it's interesting to note um, that, uh, you, well, you know, Jim, that uh, 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 Rents was having some financial problems. Um, and because of that, um, he, his membership to this particular organization that he was going to was going to be expired and he needed to save the money. I don't know if I should say the name of this particular place, but it's Costco. He needed to get hairspray. Uh, he needed to get it at bulk, very, very bulk. I can agree he with that. He needed to get rid of you because of that. You're kidding me. I mean, I, that that's completely possible. I mean, that, that big 80s hair. Stop and listen. That doesn't make any sense because the hosts pay, have to pay to be on rent. So when he lost me and, and Scott, he was losing income. I mean, you know, he wasn't paying me. I was paying him. It's the oddity because this is the only radio show I ever had where the hosts had to pay. So, I mean, Rents has made a lot of – he denies it, but I now am convinced he's made a lot of money off of the radio program, even though he says he never makes a nickel. Uh, but Mike Harris was very badly by Jeff Rents and his – was induced to move to California where Jeff said he was going to set him up with a guest house, according to Mike. And Mike is willing to talk about this with anyone anywhere. So I'm certain he's not hesitant about my talking about it. When he got out there, 
he discovered, you know, Jeff was going to set him up. He was going to give him income. He was going to give him a house to stay. So Mike Harris loaded up all of his worldly goods, moved out to Oregon to join Jeff. And when he arrived, Jeff said sorry, but his daughter had moved into the guest house. There was nothing for him and cut him off. I mean, it was just brutal. Mike Harris has never got over it because it was such a, a crude and I mean, Jeff Rett said it was un, unresponsive, irresponsive, unprofessional for me to use, talk about him by name. Yeah, I was going to say that. talking about <laughs> me without using my name when everyone knew he was talking about. Frankly, I think that's gutless. That's cowardice to not talk about the name of the party you're discussing. Because I would be glad to debate Jeff Rents or, 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 or Mike Adams, uh, of whom I've had a very high opinion when my book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, was banned. Mike Adams published three articles about it, including an interview he did with me. My God, Project Censor down in California never even acknowledged that the book had been banned. They pretended they'd never even heard about it, although there were probably 20 different stories on the Internet about it. It was a big, big deal at the time. So how did how did firing me help Jeff get – that's a joke, right? Hairspray, okay. I'm a little slow. That's got to be a joke. But I mean, let, let's be, let's be honest here though, Jim. I mean, the only thing I've ever really seen of Mr. Rents is that, that photo of him that always comes up, that big 80s hair. And Jim, I got to ask you, is that a wig or is that real? Look, I've always, okay. It I looks myself like a wig. I've always presumed it was a wig and that that's his persona. And, so yeah. he, can, he can go out in public and not be, you know identified easily because he's not in I, his I just, role. I just don't get it. It's like, what's with the hair? Come on. What's with the hair? Well, no, I mean, that's just that's just his thing. It, it, it is real funny. But, I mean, uh. how, he he went on this rampage claiming that I was a liar. You read that thing that I'm supposed to be a liar. I read it, but yeah. I, I was shocked. Isn't it obvious now? I was I mean, offended. We, we had resigned as of 1 November. We notified him in advance so he could figure out what to do with it rather than leaving him high and dry by just stopping doing the show on 1 November because we're moving to Revolution Radio. I didn't tell him the network. I just said we were leaving. And I think he had to fabricate an explanation for why we were departing, because otherwise he'd have to explain it away, right? I mean, we were really, he was so happy to have us in that two-hour slot right before his three-hour show, I'm telling you. He was proud of us. Is Jeff Rince a a Democrat, by the way? I have no idea. Came across like one in that post, i got to tell you. I'll tell you, he is an Islamophobe, I'll tell you that. Mm, I see. And, I mean, he he made up. Listen, we had one correspondence here recently where, you know, we're talking about this Las Vegas thing because he thinks Muslims did it, and I think that's ludicrous. Right, I don't think so either. I said, I, and, and he wrote me, and he said there were 130 Muslims who worked in the Mandalay Bay, and I wrote back and I said, how many Jews? And the fact is that Sheldon Adelson and, uh, you know, George Soros, and uh, Michael Chertov are major players in the loss. Uh, I may have already mentioned, but it's worth reiterating. Yeah, George Soros put a $41 million short right. on Mandalay Bay. Uh, Sheldon Adelson is going to put these scanners in all of his machines. So Chertov's going to bring them out to make make potentially billions of dollars. James Marin, who's chief executive officer of MGM Mandalay Bay, sold off 80% of his stock in advance of the event, which is bizarre unless you realize, well, then when the stock drops, he can buy it all back up cheap, and he makes himself a bundle. I mean, those are the crasser motives behind it, okay? Then you got the absurdity of this guy having 23 weapons in his in his uh, hotel room. 
Uh, uh, look, if you're going to conduct an effect like this, if it had been real rather than totally staged and fake, you would yes. need like one one uh, one weapon you're going to use to fire in the crowd, and one for self-defense. You don't have 23 arms. By the way, Jim, I just sent you a document, another one, and this one was interesting, and it had to do with JFK, but the thing that's weird is, well, they received an, an anonymous tip before the assassination, and I'm going back to the Las Vegas shooting. Allegedly, there was a, a woman talking about that there was going to be a, that everybody was going to die rather. And I just thought, well, that's kind of unusual to read that. And, and in the same day, really well, makes you yeah, wonder. Well, it was a short Hispanic couple that was reported right. to be in the crowd who said everyone was going to die. And then that this was disconcerting to the crowd. Look, look, so they had her escorted off, but there's better than that because on 4chan, there was a fellow who only identified himself as John who explained that the whole plan was be to, to move these, uh, they were going to have this event to justify putting these scanners in all the hotels and casinos in Las Vegas, and then they were going to move around throughout the country to put them in schools, churches, any public location. One of the columnists who was supporting the idea of bringing these scanners into Las Vegas was saying it, it only slows you down by 30 seconds. And that's about right. When you go through, you know, uh, TSA at airports, I, I one time went through one scanner and I even regret doing that because, uh, you know, I've had cancer. I'm oh, not, yes. Uh, right. When, when you go to a dentist and they're going to uh, x-ray your teeth, they cover you with a lead vest and they're, yeah. the x-ray takes milliseconds. When you're exposed for 30 seconds to these machines, there's no telling what damage is done to the human body. I mean, it's completely outrageous. In fact, uh, uh, Chertoff, the Chertoff group has a whole lot of these scanners in a warehouse because they were forced to remove them from airports because their safety had never been certified. I don't know if today the safety of any of those scanners has ever been certified. It's a major risk to the proportion of the population that travels by air is uh really it's a, it's it's a fascinating phenomenon what's going on here because it, 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 when i said you know i asked jeff a question that he never did answer you know what's that i mean he never answered i mean he, there's no case for muslims muslims didn't have anything to do with this this is on the order of claiming Osama bin Laden was responsible for 9-11. Yeah. Which is brought to us compliments of the CIA, the neocons, and the Department of Defense. Who you've been accused of working for, Jim. Who are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens in the Mossad. It was done to promote an agenda to draw the United States into the Middle East to take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the region and eventually confront the Persian nation of Iran. And because... Uh, 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 the intervention of Russia and Iran has defeated uh, the, the uh, project by the CIA, the Israelis with funding from Saudi Arabia. Bibi Netanyahu is under investigation is very pissed off. He's very pissed off. I bet he is. I believe he actually is declaring war on the United States, and I believe there are four or five manifestations, including these hurricanes, man-made. I James McCanny on. They're 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 directed by satellites from space. Uh, I think the ship collisions with cargo ships uh, off the coast of Japan. Uh, that requires very sophisticated taking over of the electronics of those ships. These are very sophisticated. They know everything that's going on in the air, on the water, beneath the water, 24-7. That's why they're there. They're surveillance vessels. The idea that a lumbering cargo ship at slow speed should collide with one of these vessels is ridiculous. Yeah, that makes no sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's look, I, strange. I, 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 
spent all this time in the Marine Corps, and a lot of it was aboard Navy vessels, for crying out loud. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Anyone who has studied, you know, the U.S. Navy or, 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 or military history or whatnot understands. Now, anyone who thinks Israel wouldn't have that technology is ignorant of, for example, Donald Rumsfeld, the day before 9-11, announced that the Pentagon was missing $2.3 trillion from its budget. Well... Guess who was the chief financial officer for the Pentagon at the time? Uh-oh. Dove Sarkheim, who knows not only a dual U.S. Israeli citizen, he is a rabbi. He even owns a company that does these uh, flight maintenance systems so you can take over an aircraft should it be hijacked. I'm sure the initial plan was to fly drones under remote control into the Twin Towers until they discovered that it was physically impossible to get a real plane into the buildings before it exploded. In fact, the design of those buildings is so robust that any real plane would have crumpled external to the building. Parts, uh, body seats, luggage, wings, tail would have fallen to the ground. We, we, we have these fantasy videos where the plane just disappears into the building, which is a violation of the laws of physics. Once you see something that's a violation of the laws of science, uh, physics, chemistry, biology, what have you, you know you're watching a fantasy. You know it can't possibly be true. We also have photographs of the facades of the buildings. There's no parts of airplanes there. We find a, a, an engine at the intersection of Church and Murray, allegedly from Flight 175, but it, it's an antiquated engine that was not then in service. It's under a steel scaffolding beneath a, 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 a canopy. And Jack White, whom I mentioned before, Actually, notice there was a white van at that intersection where four or five men in FBI vests were unloading something very heavy. They even left a dolly behind for Oh, that's out. funny. <laughs> there was a, get, get this. Uh, there was a, a landing gear that was discovered many years later wedged between two buildings that the chief of police had to sheepishly admit was still connected to bees of rope that had been used to help to lower it into place. I mean, you know, how dumb are we oh, supposed Lord. to be? Osama yes. bin Laden had nothing to do with it. None of those four aircraft crashed on 9-11. Two of them weren't even in the air. Uh, I mean, I can go through this chapter in verse. If anyone wants a nice, concise, but thorough overview, go to the Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, or just put in Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, 9-11, and you'll find a two-hour, I mean, this was like, uh I don't know, I think 120 slides. There's another I did a two hour on JFK. Go to Brian Root again, R U H E JFK. I had 154 five slides for that. 155 slides. Good Lord, JFK. Jim. Well, That's a lot of slides. I'm telling you, I can cover a lot in 10 minutes, but you give me two hours and 155 slides. There's not going to be a whole <laughs> lot you're not going to know when you come out of no it. No doubt, no doubt. And and by the way, Jim, to get, oh, get up to speed. So yes, I think it's very amusing. This guy called because he had to get. Oh, that was great. <laughs> That was that was good. I, I was a little slow on the uptake. He was know. good. He was good. Yeah, he thought he had to fire me to save money because he was paying me as a host. Well, I, you know, yes. a lot of people told me they thought I deserved to be paid. They're just unfounded to hear that actually rents charges. So nobody else does that. Revolution. I'm floored. Apologetic. They can't pay their host. Revolution Radio. I'm floored that, that he has, fought. No, has no commercials. It's all yeah. subscriber supported. It's absolutely sensational. I'm I, floored I, that Rince let you go. Well, he didn't let me go. See, I mean, well, I, I told fired, him. We let go. All, all, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's just it. unusual. Well, look, 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 look. Michael, what's stunning is not that we had a parting of the ways. In fact, there were people 
who had been writing me, you know, saying they were not surprised at all because when we discussed some of these things, it was clear that Brents was trying to undermine my explanations of how we knew that the whole thing had been a movie, that no one had died. Jim, he he fancies himself as a journalist. And I'm I'm wondering, is he trying to perhaps uh, get a bigger role somewhere? Is that what he's trying to do? No, he's uh, he has some illusions about himself. He thinks of himself as an intellectual, and he's not he's not dumb. He's a very smart guy. We had a very cordial relationship for not quite two two years when we had this parting of the ways. But other listeners, regular listeners, wrote me. And they could tell it was coming because he would be trying to subtly undermine some of the points I'd be making when he'd have me on his own show. I mean, that was the only time we'd have these direct exchanges. He was doing these little little sly comments at you, huh? Michael, say again? He was making, like, little sly comments, basically? Well, that was their interpretation. I I mean, nothing he said when I was on his show ever bothered me. I mean, I respect people's right to have a different opinion than mine. I'm not of an authoritarian caste. Sure, yeah. Where I require people think the way I think. I mean, talk to my wife. <laughs> uh, well, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned her. Where does she stand on the whole JFK thing? Oh, she's with me on she's, JFK. Okay, she's in. Oh, with JFK. Yeah. What, what about Vegas? She's, what about what? What about the Las Vegas massacre? Is no, she in no, or no, is she? No, she believes she's a fan of MSNBC. Uh, she still thinks, you know, the Russians helped uh, Trump to win the election. Oh. Uh, I tried to explain these things to her. We've had the worst. We've been married more than 40 years. And the worst arguments of our married life have been over Donald Trump and news coverage related to Trump. Wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, over Trump. Because the media has become an organ of propaganda. The CIA began infiltrating the media in the late 1950s. You'll find this very interesting, Michael, because one of the revelations that's emerged here, you may have missed, is that we had a report revealing that the mayor of Dallas at the time, Earl Cabell, had joined the CIA in 1957. I'll tell you, between 1971 and 1981, I pondered the connection between the CIA and Dallas because I was convinced there had to be one. It was only when I discovered that the brother of Charles Cabell, who was a deputy director, uh, Lieutenant General Three Star in the Air Force, who had been dismissed by Jack as a, one of the two deputy directors, the other Richard Bissell, in the wake of his discovery that uh, Bay of Pigs had been a bait and switch, right. was the mayor of Dallas. And, you know, I went to, uh, I was teaching at New College of the University of South Florida, which is on a beautiful campus, it used to be an estate owned by the Ringling Brothers on Sarasota Bay. And I went down to the archives in the library and pulled out Who's Who for 1965. And when I read the entries for Charles Cabell, born in Dallas, 1903, Earl Cabell, born near Dallas in 1906, I knew these were the guys. This was the axis. This was the linkage. I mean, the mayor is responsible not only supervising the police department, but for motorcades and other ceremonial activities. I mean, they set this up. Dealey yeah, they were all, in backyard. They were all in on it. It was a perfect location for triangulated assassination. So, you know, that's one of the revelations that's come up. And this one, of course, with Hector you're talking about here, that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, There's another that has emerged. uh, 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 There's a a source whose name is – I've got the whole thing here. 
uh, a speech by Oren Fenton Potito, P-O-T-I-T-O, St. Petersburg, Florida, January 16th, 1964. On January 17th, 1964, furnished a special agent, James P. O'Neill and James E. Wallace, a fire and information about this guy had given this speech. And he had said that the surgeon, this is the key part. The Surgeon General's report on the assassination stated the first bullet entered the president's throat below the Adam's apple, clearly showing that someone, uh, two persons uh, were involved with the first shot being fired from the bridge across the parkway in front of the car. To further substantiate this, uh, Potito said there was a bullet hole in the windshield of the president's car. Well, he's right about that roughly. There's the bullet hole you can see in the famous Alchins photograph. Uh, there was an AP photographer, James Ike Alchins, who took a most celebrated photograph. It's a panoramic view, and you see the limousine there. Jack is actually clutching his throat. You can see Jackie's hand coming up to his hand. Poor Jackie, you can see, by the way. You can see the bullet hole in the windshield where his left ear would be if his left ear were visible. It's a small white spiral nebula with a dark hole in the center. They moved the president's military aide to the final vehicle, so he wouldn't be in the way when that shot was fired. Otherwise, it would have hit him. That, that was fired by an Air Force expert who was in the triple underpass. But, you know, he doesn't quite have the location right. Uh, I initially thought it was on the left side of the triple underpass. Uh, and, in fact, I've seen a photograph of a, of a rifleman behind a, coming out from behind a tree in that vicinity. But the shot appears to have been fired from inside the triple underpass. We found a... There's a box there for, I don't know, electrical connection where you could easily put the weapon, have it stored in advance and return it. This guy, Jack Lawrence, was a Air Force uh, expert shot at Linden, believe it or not. <clears throat> Linden organized an effort to see who was the best shot in the military, and a couple of Texas Rangers participated, and that's how we learned about it. And I suspect that's how this guy, Jack Lawrence, was selected. He went to work at the automobile dealership that provided the vehicles for the motorcade just a couple of days in advance. The motorcade, unlike any other presidential motorcade, was not uniformly black Lincoln limousines. I mean, uh, Cadillac limousines. Oh, the president, of course, had a Lincoln. But was all mixed of different makes, models, and colors. And that was so the perps would know exactly who was where by the make, model, and color of the vehicle. Uh, the Secret Service, we have more than 15 indications of Secret Service complicity in setting him up for the hit. Two of the agents who would have been right on JFK's vehicle were left behind at Love Field. To their astonishment and consternation, the vehicles were put in the wrong order. The president should have been in the middle, preceded by the mayor and the vice president. So people cheer when they see the lower dignitaries. And then if you see the president, Jackie, you're not even going to pay attention to anyone else. The mayor, the vice president, That's right. who cares, right? That's you might true. turn away and walk away. So, you know, rather than be rude, you organize it in a specific way. There was a flatbed truck that should have preceded the Lincoln with the, the platform for the movie cameras. This was a big political deal to cover. But, of course, they got rid of that. They didn't want a lot of records to be there. Uh, they cut down the motorcycle escort to four, and they were ordered not to ride ahead of the rear wheels. One of the officers said it was the damnedest formation he'd ever heard of. They did not weld the manhole cover shut. They didn't cover the open windows. We have one photograph of the presidential limousine on Main Street, and he's right beside a bus. Well, anyone in assassin with a handgun could have shot him for the bus. And the crowd is spilling out, you know, 15 or 20 deep into the street. The 110th Military Intelligence Unit, which should have been distributed 
throughout the city for crowd control was ordered to stand down over the adamant opposition of his commanding officer. They changed the motorcade route just four days in advance, which they never do. How convenient, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, the man. Rationale Israel, that, was, Israel was the glue for all of this, in my opinion. Well, no, with Johnson. I mean, it's I, I think, well, that too. The CIA, the mafia. Well, LBJ. you know, there are those. It does appear they all that played Clayford a hand. was Jewish. Right. There are some claims that, that Lyndon may have been as well. We do know in relation to the USS Liberty, which was a spy ship that was attacked and strafed by the Israelis uh, during the Six-Day War with Egypt, uh, was destined to be sunk to draw the United States into the side of, 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 of Israel against Egypt. I mean, Moshe Dayan handled the business and it didn't need the United States. But when uh, the American commander of the, uh, of the fleet in the Mediterranean sent American aircraft to come to the aid of the Liberty, uh, Lyndon Johnson personally ordered they be brought back. In fact, there's some reason to believe that the ship was actually tor torpedoed by an American submarine. I mean, this is uh, absolutely disgusting. And it's interesting when I go on to Revolution Radio. Remember, I'm doing Tuesday and Thursday, and Scott Bennett is doing Wednesday and Friday. Oh, Monday, he's, doing, he's doing Wednesday and Friday? Say again? Uh, he's doing Wednesday and Friday? Yeah. Okay, nice. Now, Monday, Monday, Dave Gehari and Phil Torney are doing a show on the USS Liberty. It's going to be a regular thing. Torney was an actual survivor of the attack. The Israelis strafed the, the sailors in, in, in lifeboats, which is a violation of international law. But yeah. of course, this whole thing was an atrocity. Exactly. They were, they were going to blame it on the Egyptians. And of course, I mean, the Egyptians had nothing to do with it any more than Osama bin Laden had anything to do with 9-11. Osama said when he was asked about it that he had nothing to do with it, that it was contrary to the tenets of the Koran to murder innocent women and children but that there appeared to be a government within the government that wanted to blame it on Muslims. Even Bill Clinton himself said there was a government within the government that he did not control it. Osama, by the way, not only had nothing to do with 9-11, but he was our man in Afghanistan. He was instrumental in getting the Stinger missiles into the hands of the Mujahideen that used them to drive the Soviet Union out by shooting down so many of their helicopters. He was also a, trained by the CIA. He was Colonel Tim Osman. He was an officer in the CIA. Before his death, an official of the agency visited him in a hospital in Dubai where he was undergoing dialysis. It's tough to get those dialysis scenes in and out of those caves. I would have to imagine. He, right. He died of his medical maladies on the 15th of December 2001. There were local obituaries, CNN and Fox News, both on the 26th of December, reported that Osama bin Laden was dead. Uh, the New York Times would wait six more months, and then they'd talk about the death of bin Ladenism and talk about reports that Osama had actually died six months before. I was, uh, you know, in my capacity as a head of scholars for 9-11 Truth, we were publishing news releases about, you know, that the date, that the latest uh, tape attributed to Osama bin Laden was a fake, that there was a video with another fake bin Laden. I had the best expert on bin Laden and his voice verify, you know. I mean, we were doing all this stuff with scholars. You can still find it if you go to 911scholars.org. Uh, check out the press releases. There's some pretty damn interesting stuff there because we were really going whole hog. At one point, we were making a tremendous impact. But then you had the in inevitable fragmentation because there was a, an attempt to 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 divide the truth movement 
many believe, by the way, that this, uh, this, uh, Las Vegas thing ha- has a similar yes. objective. By the way, because- yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, did you happen to see the whole thing with the security guard? Well, you mean by the whole thing is interview on the Ellen DeGeneres show. That too, but the Let me tell you a couple things about it, Mike. Okay. Uh, here you've got this guy, Jesus Compost, and they can't get their story straight. Yeah. Originally, it was the case he was supposed to be a security guard who wound up uh, banging on the door of the suite from which Paddock was firing all these rounds and disrupted him, wound up shooting him in the leg and, and committing suicide because he'd been outed. But for some reason, that story didn't wash, so they revised it. Now they have Jesus making contact with him before he begins the mass shooting, and and that he responds by firing 200 rounds down the hallway at Jesus' compost. Well, he must be a pretty miserable shot if he could fire <laughs> 200 rounds and not take out one miserable right. security guard, who, That's by true. the way, in Nevada, security guards have to be registered, but Jesus' compost is not on That's, the list. That's right here. Security guards. Well, get this. So he's standing by to do five national interviews, including with one with Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity, yeah. Vance national exposure, right? When he disappeared. Yeah, he. So yeah, no the MGM can't find him, Michael. Right, the MGM brand was. He shows up on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, that's <laughs> not the same guy. And somebody weighs thirty to fifty pounds more. He's got a rounder, much fatter head. He doesn't wear glasses. Jesus Compost was much thinner, wore glasses, perception glasses, and it appears to have been on a stage with no audience because this is a case where, because the story's emotional, the camera would pan to the audience and get their reaction. They never pan to the audience. Ellen DeGeneres seems confused about what she's doing. Jesus Campos seems nervous. A, a more interesting aspect of this, too, is that for the original Jesus, uh, another listener sent me uh, photographs of the husband and the wife from San Bernardino, which was another case where I didn't mention before, but in Las Vegas, crowds on demand 15 days before the event were recruiting crisis actors for an event in Las Vegas. Yeah. They, they seed the crowd with these people. I think there might have been 150 of them. So that on cue, they would start screaming about, oh, bullets, you know, blood, oh, my God, we're under attack, and everyone's going to stampede to get the hell out of there. Nobody's going to stick around to see that it's really only the sounds of guns. In fact, I have one student who went through 33 of the videos from the concert, and she reported hearing lots of sounds of bullets, but she saw no effects of any bullets, not any. In fact, Paul Craig Roberts received a very lengthy report from a military physician with a great deal of experience with gunshots, saying he had studied the videos of the uh, alleged uh, uh, victims in the hospitals, and he could guarantee every one of those patients was an actor. Not one of them had actually suffered a bona fide wound. And an American trauma surgeon followed up by saying not only did he agree with the, uh, the military surgeon, but they weren't even connected to the diagnostic equipment that would monitor their state of well-being where they bona fide patients. Apparently, they just rented some hospital room and videoed these things without even connecting them up to the equipment to monitor their blood pressure or their pulse. I mean, it's ridiculous. You said the military surgeons had the greatest, the most insulting case. Yes, but going back to the whole talk show thing, it is really strange that he denied all of these talk shows, but then went on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, let me finish this. Well, what the hell is that? Michael, 
he reverted to the original story of showing up, uh, you know, uh, after the shooting and causing him to cease the shooting. In other words, they had changed the story between the time he was sent out on this ass- assignment or the time they taped it. And guess what? The Ellen DeGeneres show is owned by MGM. Oh, there we go. George Soros is on the board of directors of MGM. I was going to say, did Campos watch someone shower? Say again? I said, did Campos watch someone shower? Is that why he's getting this treatment? Did he watch someone shower? Yeah, that's a terrible joke there. It's a <laughs> terrible <laughs> Weinstein joke. I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> it, 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 it went right over my head. Uh, well, I got it oh right over my head. That's okay. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, um, Trump did a very good thing by releasing all the documents now. Uh, there are, did I already describe the two treasure troves of Marita Lawrence and the, and the yes. George Joannidis, right? The, I believe those so, would sir. be piggies. Either of those would be real treasure trove. There are lots of little things where, like, such as we're talking about here. Uh, the, the Hector, uh, Echevera thing is very interesting. By the way, just as an aside for anyone who ever wondered about it, uh, when Trump said that the uh, Ted Cruz father was uh, in front of uh, the trademark in New Orleans when Lee Oswald was handing out the pamphlets. Oh, yeah, Ted Cruz. That's hilarious. He was right. He was right. His, <laughs> his father, Rafael Cruz, he was an Anacastro-Cuban. He was living in the area. Uh, 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 in the, in the uncropped version, there's a guy in the foreground in the right who seems to have unusually long arms. He's short. That was Chauncey Marvin Holt. This was the guy who forged 15 sets of Secret Service credentials for in and around Dealey Plaza, which I believe I described before on one of our recent interviews. But uh, he said all those who were there were part of Operation Mockingbird. In other words, the attempt to infiltrate the media. And, you know, it was going on since 1957. I began, uh, since the late 50s, I, I mentioned how Earl Campbell had joined the agency in 1957. Well, uh, William Colby, who was then its director, testified to Congress in 1975 that the agency owned everyone of significance in the media. Let me repeat that. The agency owns everyone of significance in the media. And if that was true in 1975, it's it's even more it's, so today. Oh, yes. Uh, see, but then they didn't have the alternative media, Michael. Then the Internet didn't exist. The Internet has made a huge difference. Major. I have a dear friend who c- compares it to the new Gutenberg press, you know, that we bet that was the beginning of the mass publication well, of Jim, Jim, you already know journalism is just completely dead here in America. It's just a bastardized term now. The journalists no are online now. Yeah, it's all propaganda. Right. And, you know, listen, Barack Obama paved the way. He had the Smith-Mund Act of 1948 nullified by the National Defense Appropriation Act of 2013, where the Smith-Mund Act precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used without, which would be like fomenting phony riots and all kinds of, you know, false reports and fake videos and all that. It was signed just in time to bring a Sandy Hook, which was a Barack Obama, Eric Holder production uh, featuring the governor, Daniel Malloy, the medical examiner, Wayne Carver, the Connecticut State Police, the Newtown School Board, and a group of families posing as grieving parents where I have I reported this already with you, Michael. I don't we think... discovered that the average age of the Sandy Hook oh, mother. Oh yes, yeah, we, we older than it ought to be. So, we talked yeah. about that, but we didn't talk about the documents that were released now 
1,500 documents regarding the 2012 shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. Uh, the well, this FBI is about Adam Lanza, who's a right. fictional character. I mean, this right. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is like when they had the Boston bombing, okay? Uh, uh, the New York Times ran page after page after page uh, of detailed information about the history of the Saranoff brothers in Chechnya and how they were trained to be terrorists. It was all poppycock. None of it was true. It was total bullshit. I was contacted by their aunt, Maret Saranova, who actually is a formidable woman. She has a law degree from Moscow University who told me how the marathon footage of the brothers had been photoshopped. And I asked her, how did she know? And she said, because Tamerlan had a beard. And in the photoshopped images, he's clean shaven. And I asked, could she prove it? And she said, yes. And she sent me a photograph of him lying in bed with his cat. He had a beard, a link to a video of him and Zoker working out in a gym. He had a beard. He was contacted by a friend the day of the marathon, relieved to find they'd been nowhere near. They had dinner together. He had a beard. Uh, there's convenience store footage when they were being pursued. Zoker's inside, Tamerlan's outside. He has a beard. He's arrested in Watertown, stripped naked and put in a police vehicle. He has a beard. I could have identified him, but his mother and his aunt identified him. Then the next thing we know, he turns up dead with a huge gash in the side. He's still got a beard. They claim Zoker did it. But how could Zoker do it after he was taken into police custody, stripped naked, and put into a police car? We have a witness who reported seeing the the police drive over him three times in a black SUV, which was his own vehicle. I can't tell you how outrageous this is. But get this. When they photoshopped them in, they were very clumsy. The, 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 the case had actually been cracked by the alternative media the day of the event by look, zooming in all the photographs of this Craft uh, International private army where their personnel wear khaki trousers, black jackets, black baseball cap with a skull insignia. The motto of Kraft is violence does solve problems. We already had photos and images of two of these guys heading to the location where one of the backpacks blew up. One of them is wearing a black nylon backpack with a white square. The backpack that blows up is a black nylon backpack with a white square. He's rushing away, no longer wearing the black nylon backpack with a white square. The FBI report said the two bombs that exploded were in black nylon backpacks. The indictment for Zoker said that the bombs that exploded were in black nylon backpacks, but when they photoshopped them in, they didn't give them black nylon backpacks. Zoker's got a silver backpack. And Tamerlan has a kind of a beige backpack. So that when I consulted with a retired professor of law, John Remington Graham, uh, about all the evidence we'd amassed and asked him what was most striking to him, he explained to me it was that the backpacks don't match. This is like the OJ case. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit, except that was staged by having OJ put on latex gloves before he tried on those leather gloves because they were skin tight. So by putting on latex gloves underneath them, it guaranteed they wouldn't fit. Well, the fact is that they did a sloppy job here. That was to exonerate OJ. In this case, they were trying to implicate uh, Zoker and Tamerlan. But because the backpacks don't match, uh, Professor Graham observed, uh, there wasn't even probable cause for an arrest, much less an indictment or a conviction at trial. And his work on this and mine, too, frankly, has been featured by Paul Craig Roberts, whom I regard as our nation's leading public intellectual. Paul Craig Roberts' latest blog is is about Zoker. And it says, you know, uh, uh, are we are we condoning a judicial murder? Because the evidence shows he had nothing to do with it. It was framed for it. I mean, the evidence is cut and dry. 
his defense attorney, a woman named Judy Clark, is apparently used to run, you know, ramrod these things. She she pled them not guilty, but in well, Tamerlan's already dead, so she pled Zoker not guilty. But in her opening statement to the jury, she said they did it. So she never had to prove they did it, which actually technically would have been impossible because they didn't do it. We had the police on bullhorns calling out, this is a drill, this is a drill. We had the Boston Globe tweeting that a demonstration bomb will be set off during the marathon for the benefit of bomb squad activities. A second tweet, one will be set off in one minute in front of the library. And in front of the Boston Public Library, one minute later, one of these bombs explodes. I'm a former artillery officer in the Marine Corps. These were puff pieces. They couldn't have killed anyone unless perhaps you're actually sitting on top of it. When we zoomed in through the smoke, you saw bodies lying there with missing arms and legs, but there is no blood. As Lorraine Day, who was for 25 years ahead of trauma surgery at, at San Francisco uh, General Hospital, observed, that's a physiological impossibility. You can't have arms and legs blown off by explosives and there be no blood. The blood only showed up later. It was Hollywood blood. In fact, a Hollywood director who'd identified one of the key players, this Carlos Arredondo with a cowboy hat, who's standing around waiting till his turn to step into this scene in accordance with the script. As an actor, he cast in one of his own films, told me they'd even use a, a smoke machine. And we poured through all the photos and films, and we found a studio-quality smoke machine. I was so astonished, I put it on the back cover of the book, and nobody died in Boston either. I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way, because I recall talking to Mr. Dean Ryan, who I'm sure you're very familiar with, sir. Sure. Yeah. Dean and I have done a number of interviews together. Yeah, I, I recall him mentioning when I talked to him about the, the the shooting in Las Vegas. He mentioned that he had personally known someone who might have been shot. I, I think he said, or his girlfriend, someone related to his girlfriend. I think well, that's what he said. Well, lots of people, you know, it's all secondhand, thirdhand. Yeah. They know some, you know somebody or had an yeah. aunt or a cousin or an uncle. It's all nonsense. Did, did he bring? Did he bring that up to you? By the way, Jim. I'll have to talk to him about yeah, it. Yeah, bring it up to him. Did a thing, we did a thing about Las Vegas that you can find online. Yeah, I heard that, uh, yes, yes. What happened in Las Vegas, complete story with Dean Ryan and Jim Fetzer, Jim Fetzer and Dean Ryan. I, I don't stuff. recall a, a, a word from him about having somebody or knowing somebody who died. I'll send you the audio uh, let of that. Me tell you, let me tell you how bad it is, Michael. Go we ahead. have a new video from the Hooters. And people are saying, well, they're Hooters. really covering up because there were 17 ambulances at Hooters, so there must have been a whole bunch of people who were killed at Hooters. Is somebody well, watching someone shower footage. at Hooters? Sorry. Go let, ahead. Let me explain. Yes. yes. So we have footage from inside, and yeah, there are a lot of people in Hooters or crisis actors with sheets are sitting there patiently waiting to be carried out into ambulances to be more victims for the Las Vegas. Terrible. That's ridiculous. It's, the whole uh, yes. thing. it's really strange. And you know, I'm, I'm glad the you mentioned whole that. Thing was it was a movie. You reminded me of a, another another case I heard. Well, not a case. I just I, I read different people talking about this. There was, um, as you mentioned, multiple shooters, and I heard there was a shooter inside the airport. A cab well, driver was well, saying that there were multiple faux fake shooters. They even had the, the they they actually shot out. It appears the lobby of the Bellagio and of the Flamingo and yeah. of New York, New York. That's what I heard. Sheriff. The sheriff, when he's first talking about this, says he, he can't imagine how only one person could have been responsible for all of this. So he was immediately gagged. The sheriff now can only read uh, off a teleprompter. They won't even allow him to uh, offer his own opinion. The Clark County Coroner's Office is on lockdown. 
Just think about it. That's where you'd go if you want a death certificate or an autopsy report. They're on lockdown because they don't have any. This is like the clerk of Newtown. So is the shooter, by the way. The clerk of Newtown entered into secret negotiation with the state legislature so that she didn't have to issue death certificates for children because she knew what was coming. And if she were to issue death certificates that are fake, that's a violation of the law. So she, they passed special legislation so she didn't have to issue death certificates on children. Oh, yes. And Michael, I'm telling you, it's all so embarrassing. Yeah, it is. You will, you know, I look forward to getting more revelations. I'll come back sometime again. We'll talk about more about JFK as more of the whatever's there comes out. But we know, we know 95% of what happened. I reiterate again, if you want to learn about JFK, go to the Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, uh, JFK. All you have to do is put in Brian Rue, comma, JFK. It'll pop up two hours. 155 slides. Believe me, yes. I cover a lot of And evidence. there's really, there's really nothing new that will come out of these documents that are being pushed back. We, we kind of already got a great sense we, of what happened. We don't, we, we don't know. We don't know. You can't know what slips through the crack. I mean, you picked up a couple of things that are, you know, confirmations of other things we knew. Uh, you know, the, the, the hole in the windshield. Many Americans don't realize about the hole in the windshield. Let me say, if you want to go deeper into JFK or 9-11, I have two new books where I bring together like 15 or more experts. Oh, you got a new book Moon, coming out. At, at moonrockbooks.com. Oh, and I'm doing a new that. book on Charlottesville. It's going to be out within 10 days. And then I'm going to nice. do a book on Las Vegas. Oh, I like I've that. I've got so much material on Las Vegas. It is unbelievable. I can't so, wait to read it. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Well, Charlottesville, we had uh, two cars, two drivers, two or even three different takes equals completely fake. It was all orchestrated. It was state-sponsored terrorism, you know, uh, 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 that was carried out by left-wing zealot. Uh, George Soros was involved in that. The mayor of, of Charlottesville was involved. The governor of Virginia was involved. I mean, we have gone through and taken it apart piece by piece, so you're going to be stunned. We've wondered whether if we already had the book out in Charlottesville, it would have helped with Las Vegas. But these things are, you know, planned so far in advance. I mean, yes. they have a very elaborate agenda. So Yeah, it takes time to really compose something hard-hitting. And as always, your books are always fantastic, the one I've read, at least. Well, I, I you know, I feel it's important to have a documentation of what really happened. You're not getting it from the government. So we need a, 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 a quasi-permanent, Archive. I don't think we'll ever so, get anything definitive from our government, sadly. No, of course not. I mean, right. we go through it and explain why the Warren Commission was uh, shabby, why the 9-11 Commission shabby, why was the reinvestigation of the Warren Commission by the HSCA was equally shabby, why if you had a reinvestigation of 9-11, I'm sure it wouldn't produce anything, but we know a great deal about what actually happened. And it, it's fairly astonishing stuff. I think you know, if someone has a curiosity, just poke around. Just go to moonrockbooks.com and poke around and realize that, you know, soon we're going to have more books, uh, including Charlottesville and Las Vegas. And, and I mean, these are very substantial. Uh, they run uh, around uh, four to 500 pages, and they're lo- chock full of photographs, diagrams. 
the, the on JFK it has over a thousand photographs because I included all four four hundred and eighty six of the four hundred and eighty seven frames of the Zapruder film. The very final frame I didn't include; it was just slightly a blur and didn't fit on the pages when you have them all laid out. So there it is. Yes. So Jim, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program, and of course. I will bring you back on again, and we'll get right back into um, all these things right where we left off. Yep, you got it, Mike. Oh, I yeah, love it. I love it too. And by the way, go ahead. It's a pleasure. And, it's it's and, always and it fun. Amusing. You know, I, I was a little slow on the uptake with our caller, but I mean, you know. Oh, that was fantastic, that caller. By the way, I just as the independent, the Telegraph in the UK ha, has put out a series of conspiracy theories that are trivial, trivial. In other words, they're real serious conspiracy theories that have to do with LBJ and 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 J. Edgar as the facilitators, where we have the the mechanics, the shooters, and their supervisors and coordinators, who include, by the way, George Herbert Walker Bush and Edward Lansdale, who appears to have positioned the shooters and determined the sequence of shots. Uh, but they don't mention anything like that. They, they, they talk about the driver having done it, there being a second shooter on the grassy knoll, a Secret Service accidentally shot, that the Vatican might have been involved, that the mob might have had something to do with it, questions about the magic bullet. Well, the magic bullet isn't even anatomically possible. I mean, the, the, we could even pick up there, Michael, when we get together the next time. But, yeah. I mean, they ignore. Sounds See, good. I mean, this is a deliberate distraction to not even talk about the fact that, a very large segment of the population at the time believed that Lyndon Johnson had been involved. Jim, has it been 26 years since the, the assassination? Oh, I mean, 63. Or 63? Jesus yeah, Christ. 50. I can't even, I lost track completely. I don't even know how long it's been. Holy shit. This is 2017. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I, I just... I can't believe, you know, it's been so long and, and yet here we are. It was 50 20... years. It was 50 years in, in, in 2013. I, I had a, a national conference in Santa Barbara in 2013 for the 50th. I just can't believe it's been that long. And, and here we are almost 2018 and we're still talking about this. Yeah. Well, because see, I mean, the government was lying to us. There's just enough evidence there, you know, it just and sucks many though. Students, many it... students have. There's going to be a new mm-hmm. conference in Dallas, by the way, the 17th, 18th, and 19th. I'll be speaking on the 17th Friday, unusual. Usually I speak on Sunday. Uh, but I'll be talking about uh, my list of the most important books, but I'm going to explain why they're important. isn't because they were helping to reveal some of them were deliberately yeah. planned to seal some of the most important evidence I uh, know. I'll go through these books. It will be fairly shocking to some people because some of the names I'll address and expose are, are known inside the community to many, but not even to all. And certainly most Americans don't realize who's been, you know, playing both sides against the middle. It's, uh, the it's most just, interesting conversation mm-hmm. I ever had with Gordon Duff, who, like Jeff Rents, fired me from Veterans Today, oh, where no. I had been a journalist because I was writing about Jade Helm 15, which he didn't like. So he not only fired me when I wrote about it anyway, but he deleted all 150 articles I'd published since I came aboard in 2011. Oh, what a now Jeff terrible Rance, thing to do. Jeff Rance has apparently obliterated my archives for, for two years of oh, programs no. on the, the raw deal. That's kind of a, it's kind of a jerk move. It should oh, just it's just it up there. It's just leave it up there, you know. 
it's on the order of burning books. You think about it. I mean, these are people with no intellectual integrity, no intellectual quality, and no integrity in their character whatsoever. This is a despicable conduct. I agree. And also, it's just terrible that we have to wait so many years before we even get any kind of information from our own government. No, it's no, no, you're ludicrous. You can't count on the government you can't. anyway. Yeah, you really can't. It's just... That's, well, it's repulsive. Some of the books, you know, I mean, look, there are hundreds of books on JFK. Some claim thousands. I, I, I don't know. I have, I have hundreds of books here in my personal library to which I can attest. I don't believe there are thousands, but there's certainly probably 350 or more, maybe many more. But the point I was driving yes, at sir. is this. The most interesting conversation I had with Gordon is the following. I said, you know, Gordon, I think, uh, Half of those in the JFK community are working for the other side. And he said, no, Jim, it's 90%. Oh, I have to agree with him on that one. That's right. It's quite obvious now. Um, Jim, again, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program. Go ahead and plug away. Oh, Michael, no, I'm just, okay, the new show will be on Revolution yes, yes. Radio starting on November 1st. You're going to have uh, Scott Bennett and Michael J. on Shell Games. From uh, 4 to 6 Eastern Time, uh, that's 3 to 5 Central, that's 1 to 3 Pacific, uh, Studio B, Revolution Radio Studio B. If you go there now, you can already see the announcement for the shows. I think that whole lineup, because you're going to have Dave Gehari and, and Phil Torney doing the, the, the USS Liberty on Monday. You're going to have me Tuesday and Thursday with the Raw Deal. You're going to have Scott and Michael J. with Shell Games on Wednesday and Friday. I think that's a, quite a lineup, actually. If yeah, you that, that's the, the with what's going on. You that's know, the with, uh, you know. that's the network with one Douglas Dietrich, who has been making all sorts of wild accusations about myself and claiming that's that I was going to. Yeah, he's a delusional nut job. Michael, they have over a hundred hosts. They've actually got a, a very good staff there. It's a very sophisticated operation. Uh, Ramps was run by one guy who was, you know, I would phone in and make connection, one guy on their staff of whom I'm aware. There might have been one other who runs his website. Well, Revolution Radio has four or five very competent people, and they got a 100 hosts. So, you know, if you got – you're going to have a 100 hosts, you're going to have a diversity of opinion, and perhaps someday we can discuss whatever issues he's raising vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis you, uh, but I guess uh, that won't be tonight. Right. Well, he's already under an uh, investigation, so his days are pretty numbered. Well, you know, there, there are all kinds of points of view. It's, it's important that all points of view be allowed to, to to be presented. Sure, but he's too scared to talk to me on his show or to come here. I think he knows what's going to happen. That's another way in which Jeff Rents and, and Gordon Duff are, are really fundamentally not in harmony with the First Amendment. That actually is a constraint against the government, but I mean, they is. But, yeah, the whole thing with, with, the whole thing with Jeff Rents, it's just ridiculous that he just won't address this on the air. It's, it's, it's silly. I mean, you guys are grown men. Why not just hash it out on the air? Address what on the air? Address all these issues between between you well, guys. Well, he's claiming I'm a liar because I'm that's why. Fired why can't he just no, talk? Resigned, why can't I he just talk to you publicly? I published a response, Michael. It's on right. my blog. I saw that. Uh, yes, but it would be better you if you know, two if actually talk. If you want to know, you know, what's going on in terms of my research? Go to jamesfetzer.blogspot.com and just start reading backwards. There's, I've got like seven blogs there that have to do with Las Vegas and will be more forthcoming. No doubt, Jim. Well, once again, thanks for being here and I'll talk to you shortly, my friend. All right, Jim. Thanks take so care. Very All right. Bye bye.
And that was one Jim Fetzer. Always great to talk to him. Looking at the time here. My God, I'm 10 minutes late. We're going to go on a little break. And when I come back, there's another soul to talk to. Hopefully he stays up to speak to all of you. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hello, brother. It's, it's John B. Wells here. I, I don't even have the words at the moment. And that's kind of usual people say. And welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here tonight, and I believe I am already joined by a second soul here that I'm supposed to talk to. Um, yeah, yeah I, there you go. Oh, okay, that is you. What's going on, man? How are you? How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm about to open a beer, so I can't complain. That's good. That's good. How was, uh, how was the other interview? Oh, with one Jim Fetzer. That was fantastic. Yeah. I can't complain. Good. Good, that's good. You know, uh, I, I reached out to you. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I saw that you had Mr. Michael Aquino on your show and, uh, uh -oh. I love, I love Michael Aquino. Uh oh. Uh, for, for those who are wondering, yeah, for, for those who are wondering who this guy is, yeah, he, he's watched me shower. Wait, who, who's watching you shower? It was a joke. I'm sorry. I, I've just been, I've been saying all sorts of horrible jokes tonight. I, I apologize. Oh, okay. No, he, he's actually yeah, a musician. Michael Aquino, yeah. But yes, back to Michael Aquino. Yes, you saw that interview, right? Oh, yes, it was really good. It was very good. He's a fucking, he's very intelligent. Oh, wait, by the way, am I allowed to swear on this? I'm sorry if I'm not. If you're what? Couldn't hear you there. I said, am I allowed to swear on this program? You could say whatever you want. I just told you I'm drinking a beer here. I, I think, I thought that meant, you know, I, I kind of gave you the, the right to do whatever you gotta do here. It's okay. Well, I don't, I don't really know the technicalities. I don't know what your, what kind of line. No, that, that's on, if, no, that, that's my other gig. There you can't, you can't use profanity on, on the other gig I do, but here you're free to say whatever you want. All right, cool. I just didn't want to start swearing like a sailor. You could swear like a sailor. I, I fucking love it. You could swear all you want. It's cool with me. Yeah, I, I have the habit of just swearing without thinking about it. Ah, you I don't sound know if like a good me. habit or not, but that's a habit of mine. I, you know, I'm right there with you. Um, uh, you know, I swear a lot and I try to filter myself, but. Sometimes I have a big problem doing that. Sometimes I just, I, sometimes I just feel like saying horrible things to people for no reason. Yes, and I have a habit of doing that. That's a good kind of, that's a good segue for some of the topics I want to get into. Okay. By the way. Okay. Well, you're free to, you're free to roll. Let's do this. What's on your mind? All right. Well, I mean, a lot. I mean, uh, well, first I'll start with uh, Michael Aquino because I think for you, you know, let me let me interrupt you there. First, let's start with with who you are because no one knows who the fuck I'm <laughs> talking to. I mean, yeah. let's fucking handle that. <laughs> it's true. It's I, true. I, okay. I followed yeah, the I, link. You know, I followed the link on on your Twitter page there, and I, I it was some sort of iTunes page, and there's a picture of a man with paint all over his face, white paint. Is that you? That is. Yes, that is. You look, you look like a lunatic. Outfits and you look fucking crazy. Yes, that's the goal. Holy that's shit! Goal. Yeah, you got it. Your music is even crazy too. I don't know what the hell's going on there. There's all sorts of shit going off. I, I just thought, what the fuck is this? Yeah, not in a bad yeah, way. I, I don't, I don't mean to sound negative. I'm just that's, saying I was, I no, was no, 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 thrown no, I back. I was just checking the reception to see if, uh, if I'm still, if I have the reception. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. And it's uh, crazy. That's pretty much. Exactly what it's supposed to be. It's so supposed you're supposed to be, to be a wild man. Insanity is supposed to be, uh, you know, being a lunatic. That's really yeah. the whole point. 
Well, but, my point taken. But it's not just as simple as just be crazy. It's about what is crazy and what's not crazy, especially in a, a crazy world today. Oh, yes. I mean, what's what's how do you define crazy when the whole world is pretty damn crazy? I, I mean, how do you even use that word anymore? It's almost like how do you use any word anymore? Everyone just wants to use these words to death, and they want to expunge all the meaning from all of these words. And uh, I don't think it's a good... I don't think it's a good thing sometimes because, like, for example, since the uh, Las Vegas shooting, yes, uh, people, well, what, what happens was that uh, people are saying, well, how is this guy not a terrorist? And people are talking about that. And whatnot. How is he not a terrorist? They would feel like that, that was that was a discussion. And I'm sure you heard, you've heard people talk about that. But, uh, but the thing is, that's not good for the culture. When people talk like that, because right, because what that that means is that you greenlight the word terrorism, and you use the word terrorism, and you'll use it in a way, in a colloquial way, where you just bring it up in everyday conversation, where the word terrorism doesn't really belong in an everyday conversation. It only belongs in the most extreme examples. That's why it's called terrorism because it's the most extreme example. And I feel like the culture is getting to a point where since there really is not as much violence and as much death threats, you know, like threats of your life and survival threats to your existence. And, uh, I mean, it's the easiest time to live. It's the easiest time to survive ever in human history that we know of. Correct. And I'm on your side. The thing about that is that because it's so easy, people goes back to the mental illness crazy thing of the world, people have to make up things. People have to make up problems that don't exist or maybe if the problem does exist, it's a lesser example of the problem than it would have been maybe 50 years ago. Like, for example, when you know cars were first introduced, for example, Correct. the legal limit for alcohol was much higher. You could be pretty drunk and you could still drive the car. It was okay. It was a good time. And why was it? Why was that? It was because the police actually had, they they had real problems. And I feel like we don't really have real problems. Drinking and driving isn't a real problem to you? What is a real problem? Drinking and driving, that's not a real problem to you? What I'm saying is that drinking and driving is an example of something that was more extreme or less extreme in the past. And now it's more extreme. Now it's more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And it seems the safer and safer and safer we get, the more we prosecute and the more we draw up the line for things that weren't as, weren't as extreme problems in the past. That's, it's the fucking reason why we have something like, uh, all this trigger culture and, uh, uh, what is it? It's microaggressions. And I'm sure you know all about oh, that. Oh, yes. What, what's your, where are you from, by the way? And all this. A fucking microaggression could not exist 50 years ago. Could A microaggression could not exist 100 yeah. years ago. It certainly couldn't right. exist 200 fucking years ago. By, by the way, where, you where are you from? what I'm saying? Yes, I hear you. But where are you from, by the way? I'm just curious. Uh, well, I'm, well, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I've, Pittsburgh. I'm pretty worldly. I've been, okay. I've been many places and uh, 
so I kind of have my own little accents. No problem. I'm just yeah, I picked up on that. That's why I asked where where you from. <laughs> well, are you trying you trying to place it? And you couldn't pick you. Couldn't yeah, I'm like, together. where is this guy from? I kept wondering. <laughs> I'm like, I know no, I've it's, heard it's, this it's, accent. It's somewhere. my own accent. It's I'm, my own yeah, accent. I was like, it's like a little mix. That's why, because I talk to different people in, the, in various areas, and I'm like, I I can't pin this shit. I can't pin I can't pin anything on this guy yet. Yeah, well. I mean, don't you? But don't you? Don't you? Do you? Don't you see what I'm saying, though? It's no, like I get you. I understand. You're, you're just preaching to. You're preaching to the choir Micro here, my friend. Wouldn't exist. Right. We didn't see that until recently. Yeah. And now, since we don't really have problems like we used to have, we are no longer fighting to survive because that's a necessity for right. every human being. And there's no survival of the fittest anymore. We have a social net, a safety net for everybody. So there's, we have to invent fucking schizophrenic, delusional problems that don't exist. And that's my whole problem. And this gets back to the terrorism thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going, don't you see the direction we're going in? I mean, this is a conspiracy. This is a conspiracy show. So we'll talk about conspiracies. It's However, about everything. We could talk about anything, really. It's not just a conspiracy show per but se. But just because it's a conspiracy doesn't mean it's it's not truthful because there's something that human beings need to acknowledge because. And you're right. Yeah. And I'm, I agree. We need to acknowledge it because Aldous Huxley predicted almost to a fucking T, a shockingly, disgusting, disturbingly accurate portrayal of our world that we live in. And well, I'm glad you mentioned that. From- yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we're watching that unfold in Hollywood right now. We're watching Hollywood eat itself in a very public way. Yeah. And this is needed. This is needed. Uh, you know, it's, it goes along with what you're saying here. Well, I think we're kind of, I think we're kind of seeing the breakdown of everything. Oh, yes. The breakdown. Nihilism, nihilism everywhere. We're looking for problems that don't exist. We're looking to be outraged when there's nothing to be outraged by. I think the only thing we should be outraged by is hypocrisy and stupidity, and I don't see many people outraged by that. That's what I'm outraged by, and I don't see a lot of that. I wish I did, because if I did, then I wouldn't be here, probably. I wouldn't be talking about this, at least. Yeah, and you know, you reached out to me just immediately saying, interview me, and I thought, okay, just like that, sure. I thought, this guy just, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay. Yeah, I was like, okay, he's really direct. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, but... uh, yeah, so, I mean, I started, so, going back to Anonymous Aid Sage, um, I started Anonymous Aid Sage to a life philosophy, but not just a life, not a life philosophy, it's more an observation yes, of the ex- world I saw. Yeah, explain that. And I wanted to put it, sorry, you cut off. I was saying, yeah, please explain that. Yeah, Anonymous Aid Sage, it was, um, it was an observation of the world, and it still is, and uh, I wanted to put something intelligent cogently in some kind of art form and i wanted to be able to express it to people because i realized that people 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 they have short attention spans people don't like to read yeah. books people don't people don't like they certainly don't like to read books on philosophy people you know, got add badly here in america yeah so i think that's the problem and i wanted to bring something that was very intelligent Something that affects all of us, and I wanted to put it into the pop cultural space because I know that that's the that's the that's the key area of short attention spans is pop culture. So, so I bridged all this imagery. I took everything from 
all the disturbing things you can see on the deep web. And oh, yes. All the Internet urban legends and all this. And I made my own little concoction of insanity. And, and it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to to hopefully allow people to be willing to themselves and be themselves, honestly. Be truly themselves. Because I think that's the first step. Because you have all these... Um, you have all these... Uh, Identity politics, uh, fake identities, labels. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I agree. That's so silly. Pretentious. Yeah, it's just people are just looking for an identity and then. Yeah, people want to belong. Yeah, the, people want to belong to something so badly. It's, yeah. it's repulsive. I, I hate that. That, that's a, a disgusting human trait that I've always been aware of and it's frightening to see. You, you see these archetypes all the time. What well, can be disgusting? It can be disgusting when you have it like it is now, where you have so many different fucking groups, and they're all fighting each other. You have Antifa, you have uh, the alt right, you have all of it. You have you have, and then you have all of the mixtures in between, and it's hard to know exactly what is what. There's a white lives. Uh, there's a white lives matter gathering today, by the way. Magic of the gathering. White nationalist march. No, I'm saying there's a white lives matter. Uh, protest thing going on. Oh, white lives. See, that's 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 the thing. I mean, it's just it's it's outrage against outrage against outrage, but it's all fake outrage. It's not real outrage. I said that so many times. Yeah, the fake outrage. I I've mentioned that. It's just reactionary. So it's just reactionary. <laughs> I like you, by the way. You're a good guy. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, do you have any questions that you would like to ask me? By the way, there's so many questions. I, I just. Well, like going back to just looking so, at your 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 profile photo on Twitter, I, I just what's going on there? Where's where precisely? Well, just looking at everything here, you seem like a wild man. What 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 brought this out I in you? I am a wild man. Yeah, what brought this out in you? I, you you know because I'm a bit of a lunatic myself. I'm just curious. We got to go back down memory lane here with you. Uh, th- that's what I'm sensing here. You, you have to take me back to your early roots. What happened to you? I got to know what happened that made you awakened uh, for, for uh, lack of a better word. Awakened or insane. Maybe both. It's the same. Yeah. It's about, about 50, 50. What happened to you? Tell me your story, buddy. And by the way, there there are two kinds of insanity. You have learned helplessness, which is what we have now in a prison society where people are just dull and they they they're captive and they're prisoners and they're domesticated and they're they're like farm animals. That's that's called learned helplessness. You see it in animals in captivity, which is basically what society is in its in its nastiest form is what society is at the least. And then you also have the other kind of insanity, which is the insanity of Going back to the ancient Greeks of the Dionysian cults of, uh, of he was the god of wine and hallucinogens and insanity and, and just being a fucking lunatic. And I think I like insanity exists, insanity exists for a reason. There's, we, I think we have too much, a little too much rationality and we don't have enough individuality and eccentricity and i think those are very important parts that have been lost to the machine mechanical clean broken rational world we live in and no this is not mike hideous by the way the, the chat room just asked if you were mike and no mike is in new jersey somewhere outside of new jersey rather relaxing with his his girlfriend fiance rather oh uh, by the way i want to i want to congratulate you i saw your website you you know you um I like you because, oh, I like what you do because 
you kind of remind me of myself in some way because you you are underground, but I definitely see like a lot of potential in your program. You're very, you very you you seem to know what you're doing. Well, thank you for that. And I. Yeah, you, you do seem to know what you're doing. I saw your website. It's very nice. It's not my first rodeo. You obviously, you, yeah, well, you obviously have uh, a lot of listeners. You have, like you just mentioned, you have people in the chat, which is, you know, I mean, so you've you've done pretty well so far. Oh, thank you. The ride's just begun. Yes. Yes, it has. It really has. But, again, you didn't answer my question. What exactly wasn't that? What exactly was it that made you this way, my friend? What happened to you? Um, well, it goes back to nature and nurture. Let's go there. I don't know. It's like um, the chicken or the egg. I mean, I, I I mean, I was always born, I think I was born a little different than most people. Okay. Most, what about mom and dad? Children. Were they around? Yeah, so I, I had a, a pretty normal, pretty, pretty, pretty vanilla okay. upbringing, I would say. Plain Jane. But... But I think I was born a little different in some ways because I remember being young, like four years old, and just being fascinated by like Halloween and like Halloween the movie and Chucky and all these horror movies. At four years old, I was obsessed with all these horror movies. Okay. So I've always had some kind of inclination for, for I guess you could say the occult or dark stuff or Mm -hmm. dark imagery or the mysterious, supernatural, whatever you want to call it. But uh, as for, as for, Nurture as for growing up, adolescence, epigenetics. Um, it seems, I don't know, I don't know how to, nothing, well, it was, it was normal, nothing really traumatic happened. Never experienced like, the uh, paranormal, never saw strange lights in the sky. Oh, well, okay. Any of that yeah, shit. yeah, well, well I'm, I'm talking about like trauma, like, you and, know, yeah, well, that too. Trauma. trauma, you never like say, you, you, you never almost drowned or something at a friend's pool. No, I've had some pretty. I've had well, my whole life I've had some pretty dark experiences, but uh, but at the same time, some crazy shit happened to me uh, like a couple months ago, and I never revealed it on the show. Uh, I fell down a flight of uh, stairs. I was helping a friend of mine move out of his apartment, and he he fucked up, and um, I was holding the couch. Uh, you know, I was going down first down the flight of stairs, and he like let go. And instead of me just stepping to the side, I, I don't know why, I just, I just went with it and I just flew down the, the steps and uh, luckily nothing serious happened at all. Um, it, it seems like all the years of doing jujitsu and judo, uh, paid off because I, I landed fine on my back and I didn't hit my head or anything. It was, it was remarkable. My friend was just, he was shocked and at the same time extremely impressed that nothing seriously happened. I, I got up in like one second and walked away and he was like, what the fuck just happened? And I, I just thought, you know, I'm not going to talk about what just happened right now. That was just weird, but I could have easily died. And that's the first time I shared this well, with anyone. Well, first of all, the human body is magnificent in its own right. Second of all, supernatural or whatever you want to call it or hidden signs, the occult, whatever you want to call it. It's all very, it's all very real stuff. It was strange. And, man. uh, what really, what really bothers me is when supposedly skeptical people or rational people, as they call themselves, rational, rational skeptics or atheists or there's nothing wrong with atheism, but there's a certain branch that I really don't like. And it's where they don't, it's where they limit 
the human understanding of reality, and they want to say that they're somehow the enlightened ones, but I feel that too much skepticism is not a good thing because then you're just biased. You're just following your own biases. And I don't think that's a good thing at all. Here on the program, I try to... Skeptical. Yeah, here on the program, I try to look at both yeah. sides. Well, there, there's certainly a lot. I will tell you this much. There's Reality is much stranger than anybody, including myself. And I, 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 I admit maybe a little narcissistically of myself that I'm a little bit more enlightened than the average person. I think you are. You come across like it to me. But even so, reality is even, it's well, it's well beyond all of us. We are nothing within the scope of it. I only know if not even, not even a good amount to even tell you enough to really say something intelligent. I just, I appear intelligent, but that's a different thing. I appear intelligent to you and but am I really intelligent in the cosmos? No. Don't worry, well, uh, British people sound intelligent too, but we know, we all know the truth on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I like um, that dig there. Yeah. I'm going to get some heat for that um, one. What, uh, so yes, reality is... Reality uh, is what you I, make I, it, I, my friend. I'm sorry. What, I said reality is what you make it. It's what you do. It is what you, that's, that's, that is it. You create your own realities. That's true. Correct. That is true, by the way. Yeah, you that's do. why I always you tell do. people to do what's true, uh, true to you. Don't let, yes, don't yes. let the world tell you what to do. It's not so easy. It is. But it, that is the truth. That's but the that way, the, but it's that, not easy. That's the root. Yeah, there's, I mean, especially in a day and age where everyone is to be age. I mean, people are just going to, you, there's always going to be just people are just fucking dumb though. For the, for the main for for the main part, my friend, that you already know the percentage of people out there, the, the large, the mainstream, they're fucking dumb. Most people are just so fucking retarded. You you know that. Of course, but even the ones who think, even the ones who think that they're somehow following a, an alternative path and that they're not in the mainstream, they're still following mainstream narratives where they don't even realize that they are. Yeah. And those are the most disgusting to me. And I hate the ones who try to slander others and try to make things up. That's what I really despise. It's why I have sure sympathy with Michael Queen. And I, I despise, and it's, it's also... What happened to Marilyn Manson? You know, I've taken, I've taken a lot they of heat. Say Marilyn Manson yeah. would, uh, he would, he would sacrifice animals and he would do things oh, like God. this on stage or whatever. Right. And uh, people, people are always going to make things up and try to yeah. blow things out of proportion. They try to, they try to frame Michael Aquino, but those, those people are fucking losers. Uh, you and know, they're going to get what's coming to them. I took a lot of because heat because they know for, when they're wrong. I took a lot of heat for interviewing them, by the way. I'm sure you did. Yeah, a I'm lot sure of did. He's people a controversial were person. A lot of people were mad. A lot of I was getting harassed. I'm still getting harassed about about that interview to this day. Well, those people are bums and losers, and they should find something to do. Maybe they should try to get good at something. It seems like a lot of these people have lots of time on their hands, and even the one they do, they they have a lot of time to make things up about people and slander other people, but they don't have the time to actually do something constructive with their own lives. You know, when I can get themselves in this illusion mm -hmm. that they're somehow doing something important when they're not because they're not even focusing on themselves they're focusing on others it's ridiculous and i looked but up these, what's coming to them. i looked up these people by the way i i did some work of my own i spoke to a lot of different uh people out there that i know a thing or two and i found out that most of these people well they're not really worth talking about that's what i've learned yeah they're not 
They're not. They're, really They're not. not. And I don't even I don't even pay attention to the fucking people. I don't I don't give them the time of day. I don't give them the time of day. The people that want to get on me for anything, I don't give them the time of day. They're not worth it at the end of the day because they have to get up in the morning and they have to be their shitty selves and they know they suck. And I wouldn't want to be them. And they have to be them. So that's why they do what they do. So right. they can go fuck themselves. And I agree with that 100%. Preaching to the choir, my friend. And <laughs> yes. I, yes, I, I yes, wanted yes. to... So any, oh, go ahead. So um, any, uh, any... Did I answer your question, by the way? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But we didn't really touch upon uh, the music there. Tell me a little bit more about okay. that. How did, how did you get involved with music? You mentioned Marilyn Manson, so obviously you're a Manson fan, and I'm pretty sure you were listening to uh, his earlier renditions of, of his music. And speaking of which, I actually saw John Five play uh, Marilyn Manson's guitarist. He has his own thing. I've yeah, seen, I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah, he you. he is fantastic, by the way. Yeah, he is good. He's yeah, amazing. Great. He really is top talent. Fantastic guitarist. If if anyone's curious, look him up. John Five. Great times. Good, yeah. good drinking music. He he doesn't get a lot of credit either, and he is really good. He's played for like every goddamn band, and he really gets no credit, no respect. That's true. Go ahead. Yeah, and I am a Manson fan. I I am a Manson fan. Manson, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Manson, Manson was probably my biggest influence, uh, besides, besides somebody, but I'm all over the place with music. I like, I like pop. I like everything. I really do like everything. You like pop? You like I Celine? Like you like Celine Dion? Uh, well, maybe, maybe on a certain day. Maybe. There's a, there's, there has to be one day for Celine Dion. You like Hanson and, and Corey Feldman? Yeah, why not? Sure. Good lord. <laughs> that, that goddamn Corey Feldman. You know, he's trying to raise up some money, and I don't know if, if do you think he's actually gonna get enough money to do what he wants to do? I don't know what he wants to do, what you want to do. Ah, there is all this stuff going on with him. I'm not sure, I think he was trying to do it like a documentary or something the last time I checked into that. You know, Corey Feldman knows about this program too, it's kind of funny. Certain listeners oh, have- Wow, really? That's certain, interesting. <laughs> certain listeners have pestered him about the show, it's, it's, it's awesome. Well, it's it's pretty amazing that you you seem to have a nice cult following. A little bit, a little bit. And I mean, you have the chat room. That's <laughs> that's something. Apparently, uh, Corey Feldman was saying that his life was in danger because he was going to expose a pedophile ring that abused him. I don't I don't even want to get down the subject. The subject is nauseating. It really is, actually. And, uh, it really many, is. Many ways, many ways, many ways. Yeah, and it goes back to Elijah Wood, another one who was speaking out too. I'm not exactly how sure that 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 uh, how accurate that is about uh, an assassination attempt on Corey Feldman. I just I don't well, know. I, I don't buy that exactly. In in the real well, I mean, it may be. I don't know his situation. Obviously, I don't know, and I I don't know much about. Corey I don't know enough. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there just from reading that that headline. But but the there very much is. There are people, industries, people in industries. We where know they that. Yeah. Do behave like gang members. They do yeah. behave like gang gang members. Look at Harvey so Weinstein. That's, that's the name of capitalism. He's a little the competition. He's, he's like a little gangster that. too. That little Weinstein guy. The big Weinstein, rather. He's a no, no, heavy Weinstein. set. They all talk about Weinstein. Everyone's talking about Weinstein. Well, there's all sorts of people too, like the Nickelodeon guy, uh, the producer, or whatever out there, a uh, writer for Nickelodeon. 
the the kid shows back in the day. Apparently, he was um, you know, looking at the photos, he was very touchy with, with the talent, with the top talent there. He was very, very touchy, very strange. Look that up if you ever have time. It's well, if you look, if you look at his children's shows, they do have many subliminal sexual themes of, in them, and it's much, that's from that it doesn't guy. Take a brain scientist yeah. to figure out either. It's pretty obvious. That's pretty gross. It's like kid. This is a kid show, and they're having these sexual innuendos. It's uh, there are many, and they're all, they're all over the place. I mean, that's what that's what uh, that's what childhood is about, though. It's about it's about uh, slowly, gradually maturing the children. Dream. Because that's why you have candy cigarettes and things like this. You're you're trying to in in, in uh, soda pop is supposed to replicate alcohol. Do they still got uh, that, by the way. The the candy cigarettes is that still a thing? Probably not. Um, yeah, I'm sure it is. Maybe I, I've never seen it, but who knows? Could exist. But the whole, but it's all about it. It's all about trying to uh, get children to mature. And, you know, it's all about that. It's corrupting the youth. Is that what that's about? Them. Corrupt the youth. Yeah, I guess you'd say that. Yeah. It seems like they they corrupt many people just by watching the mainstream news. Well, that's the thing. There's never any, there's never a good story. I mean, there's never an uplifting story. It's awful. It's always murder, murder, it rape. It's terrible. Murder, murder, rape. That could be a new song. Murder, murder, rape. It, it probably already is. It pro- there probably already is a song called that. I'm sure there is. Or a line or two. Oh, yeah. But that's what the news is. It's, it's supposed to keep you in a low uh, frequency brainwave I, I don't electromagnetic watch... spectrum. Of... Do you, who watches the news anymore, Definitely. though? I don't, I don't watch that shit at all. The only time I ever really watched any news is when uh, someone sends me a clip of something that's on the news, like something something dumb that someone said on the Fox News Network or on CNN or something. Someone saying something just atrocious is usually the only time I'm ever going to hear about it. Well, it's all it's all it's all propaganda. I mean, that's obvious. It really is. I just. They don't even try to make any attempt to say that it's purely objective. It's not purely objective. You yeah. know what purely objective is? Sure. Purely objective is going on gore sites and seeing uh, ISIS beheading videos. That's what. That's what purely. That's what the real truth is. That's they. They won't show you that on the fucking news. They, they, they show you that. They show you that on like the Mexican TV news. They always show gore, from what I remember. Well, yeah, because they're it's a little hilarious. more. They're a little more in touch with their bestial nature that's why because mexico is a poor country and they have drug cartels all over the fucking place that's true i live right i live right on the border i know all about that my friend oh wow i know about that issue you know lots of terrible things come across the border i'm completely honest about that that's not a joke of course of course yeah Yeah, i'm not gonna big business not gonna sugarcoat any of that shit that's just the reality and yeah, it is big business. Lots of lots of people uh, out here. The biggest business in the world, besides lot, maybe religion. Lots drugs. of lots of border patrol agents out here in my city, and or out yeah in my city and around the towns uh, surrounding it. They work out there on the border, and there's been plenty of times where these uh, people have been paid off to do certain things. It's caught the attention of certain publications out there. You could read about it. It's nothing new. Lots of people get paid off. I was, yeah, I've always been interested in organized crime and all, all this stuff, and I've always had a fascination with it. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of corruption out here, and uh, I feel a little uncomfortable talking about that since everyone kind of knows where I'm at, but I can't lie. The, the law enforcement in the city and the towns around it, there are all 
they're all a little bit corrupt, to be honest with you, my friend. Lots of isolated incidents that occurred out here. You can look it up Everyone's and read it yourself. Dirty. Everyone's dirty. Everyone it's, has something to hide. It's dirty out here, my friend. Everyone has something to hide. Everyone has something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And lots no of farmers. Is, no one is as good as they is they project. You know what they say, farmers have secrets, and there's plenty of farmers out here, my friend. Yeah, I just, I just try to be, I try to be, I try to bypass all of this by trying to be objective and try to be as truthful as possible. And by the way, uh, my mind. by the way, someone in the chat room wants to see my penis. My God. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Well, then you have some very confused listeners. I have some very <laughs> rambunctious listeners who are probably uh, drinking while listening to the show like I am. Maybe drinking a little bit much more than I am. Are you a, uh, I, I should have gone drunk, but I didn't. But are you a set team, by the way? I get asked that a lot. Um, I've been asked to, to join, but I'm not actually. I'm, I'm not a part of any organization or affiliated with any political party. Uh, I, I, I rather be in the middle, to be honest. That's good. Lots That's of groups. Good because it's all, know. it's all the same anyway. Lots of groups want to recruit me. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. Democrat, Republican, it's all the fucking same. There's no difference between extreme communism and extreme fascism. Tell me the difference, please. What's the difference? There is no fucking difference. No, they're about the same thing. That's that, and it's that's 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 the beautiful same, tale. It's same crap. Recurring theme in in the universe it seems is that what seems to be very different is often not different at all. It's just a different side of the spectrum, and it just it goes around in a circular way, and it ends up joining in the end. Right. That's Other. what is uh, Taoism and uh, mm-hmm. Yin and Yang is all about, basically. Are, are you a uh, is is that what you're a, far, a part of, my friend? You're a Satian. The Satians? Yeah. No. Well, no, but I respect. Setianism, if, if whatever he calls it, I don't even know what he calls it, but I respect the Temple of Set because uh, it gets closer to the picture of life on Earth and how it was, how it used to be, what it was, what is talked about in in myth. And Setianism is is probably the closest I would I would say um, it out out in the public, like out in you know as a business, like somewhere you can go, you can go to a Temple of Set, I guess. And you can go inside and do what you do. And they're pretty, they're not, I mean, people, I mean, he knows, I mean, Aquino, Aquino is not a, uh, he's not a, a famous guy by any means. He, he's kind of infamous, I guess you could say, but he's kind of anonymous. Like he doesn't even have a fucking Wikipedia page. Um, and so that tells you a lot. <laughs> you know, that's how you know how famous you are. If you, if you have a fucking Wikipedia page, you're kind of famous, uh, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, so Aquino's, he's kind of anonymous, but his church or his temple is still on the open. It's still on the open. Yeah. It's not a secret society by any means. Yeah, you know, his influence. Secret occultism. His influence is definitely out there. Oh, it is. It is. But he's, he's not as, he's, he's not as into the pop culture like the Church of Satan or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to bring him back on, by the way, and we're just going to talk about you know, current events, really. That That's when I really like talking to him, is when we're just having normal conversation about anything, really. That's that's really what I like hearing, uh, Michael. The Michael, he's, yeah, that's he's right. an interesting that was, guy. The, that was the joke last time. There was three different Michaels. Three makes, yeah, three makes six. <laughs> yep. Why do you think and, I did that? Uh, it was yep. all for a reason. <laughs> 
Well, I think I think Michael Aquino is right when he's. And by the way, I I tried to have a discussion with him, but he he declined on me. Wait, because what? Because he said that he was battling cancer. Oh which yeah, he is. He is battling. Yeah, cancer. yeah. You know, he had emailed me after he had surgery. He was telling me, you know, he thought it was his end of days, and I just thought, wow. Uh, here is Michael Aquino emailing me after all this and telling me the story. I just felt it was kind of touching. We're backwards. It's we're we're fucking backwards. Our society's backwards. We're concerned about stupid things like artificial intelligence when we should be into biological enhancement, trying to enhance and try to extend your life. We're not. No one's researching that. We're yeah. all researching stupid fucking microchips. Why the <laughs> right. fuck are we? Why? Why? Why are we? Why are we funding fucking microchips? Like what the fuck? Microchips. Do you want to do you want to track a device in your brain? I certainly don't. I don't. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> well, a lot of sheep are going to go for it, and I'm not. I'd rather be shot in the fucking head and die. By the way, someone Seriously, just sent truly. me a private message here wanting to know what I was drinking. Um, I am drinking a Firestone a Walker Pale 31. This is actually a really good beer. If you ever get a chance to actually drink it yourself, uh, go ahead and I'm a, I'm take not a chance. A, I'm not a beer person. What do you drink? A liquor? Vodka. Oh, vodka. That's my drink. You're into the vodka. Pure vodka, no fucking diluted. Just give me the fucking shot. Just you the, know? Wow. Well, when did the drinking start for you? Early? No, I I try to. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty wild as it is, man. Oh, so I didn't really need to be drinking all the time. Oh shit. No, I get a little too wild sometimes. Wait, when did you start? Good. When did you start drinking? No, I mean, I mean, I I had a normal upbringing, you know. Well, no I mean? shit, I but I'm just asking you. Do you remember what age it was when you were actually drinking some beer? I don't know, maybe uh, I think fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. A late. I was probably a little late to the party. Fourteen. Was a pretty little, little late. I was. I was pretty much. I've always been a lone wolf. I have. I'm trouble. I have trouble really. Uh, <laughs> fourteen. Late to the party at fourteen. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't God know damn! That's things. pretty. That's pretty young, man. Fourteen. Yeah, well, Jesus. That seems, that's about the time. That's high school age. That's when people start drinking. Is high Fifteen. Well, you know, you do have a point. Uh, about sixteen, I, I, I remember clearly. Remember every once, once in a blue moon, I had a friend of mine. You don't. You don't think. You don't mm-hmm. think freshmen drink? Come on. No, man. I do, but I don't. I don't remember any kids being fourteen. Um, 15, yeah, but I don't remember any kids in high school, 14, freshman year, 15. 14. 15, yeah, I remember that. Split the hair. Yeah, I guess you're right about 15, 14, 15. Um, but I clearly yeah, remember why drinking. Do, why do you ask though? Hmm? What's that? Why do you ask though? Why because, do you ask? I'm asking because I'm drinking and I want to go back, uh, to drinking stories. I was just going to share one that I was in high school, uh, 16 and I remember, uh, drinking a tall can in the bathroom stall next to a friend of mine. Um, once in a while, he would put it in like a styrofoam cup and, you know, every now and then drink it in class. Um, my friend was, was a bad kid, in other words. And uh, I never really let that, that sort of thing get to me, really. You know, I never really, it never really got to the point where I'm like drinking in school. Uh, nothing like that. But uh, just every now and then, I, I clearly remember my friend, he was, he was into that and he was really into pills too. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, fuck, this guy was, uh, this guy was a little troublesome. Holy shit. I'm glad. I was was never, I was never getting into, I was never one of the kids to get into trouble. I was always the the quiet one. Well, I was the kid to, yeah, I was the kid to, to, uh, cause trouble and get away with it. 
I had all my bases covered, and yes, that number is 760-332-8724 or 760-332-8920 if you want to call in. The lines are open if you want to talk to me and my new friend here. Um, we're discussing everything here, and go ahead and call in. I love to hear new voices all the time. This is a call-in show. Don't forget. Anyways, back back to the story. I'm sorry, I had a had a plug. I had to plug the number there. I'm sorry. So yeah, that, that's the reason why I brought it up. And uh, you know, I'm drinking and I'm looking at the bottle in front of my face here, and I'm almost done with this. I need to go to the fridge and and get another one. Yeah. Well, you don't you don't need to. You you would like to. <laughs> I would like to. I don't need to, but I would yeah. want to. Yeah, but uh, for me, I like my wilderness. I was, I was, I think I was more repressed when I was, when I was in high school. You were getting laid in high school? school. You were getting no pussy? Is that what happened? No, for me, I was more quiet. Of the gothic I don't, kid. I don't even know. I couldn't even. Um, you were the gothic you kid? A, Is that what, was that what was going on? I couldn't even give you an example, really, of the kind of person or kid I was because I was kind of, I was. You were a loner? I was kind of repressed. Oh at the no! Same time. You're like a Mormon. No, I was kind of repressed, but at the same time, I was very, very, very silly. Very silly. <laughs> you had autism. I guess. Yeah, I didn't want to put it that short. No, I still, you're uh, Michael. I still have autism. What are you talking about? No, more like schizophrenia. Oh shit, schizophrenia. Are, are you on any uh, medication? <laughs> are you taking anything like that? Fuck no. Nothing. Fuck nothing no. like that. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> medication. <laughs> Uh, he takes the medication. See, that's that was talk, when I was talking about Aldous Huxley earlier. He, what do you think? You ever read, read uh, Brave New World? It fucking, he talks about our world yeah. exactly as it is today. We sure did. Help them up, get them on pharmaceuticals, dull the brains out. It's a great book. They got so everyone's a goddamn victim. Let's make everyone behave like a goddamn victim. Just get them all doped up. Give them their happy pills. That's I'm totally against this. It's it's fucking. No, totally not. I would never take those fucking pills. And, uh, I mean, I guess some people want to take them, but I have, I people love pills. have Pe- a strong people, character. I yeah. believe in, people I believe love their in pills. being able to not have a crunch in life. Any vices? That nature, yeah. I understand. But I mean, it's just another useless thing to try to convince people that they need, you don't need those pills. Just, just go out so and either. try to follow your goddamn intuition. There's, there's right. the source of your happiness. It's really that easy. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but but I at the same time I am though because I mean the kingdom of heaven is within, so to speak. I mean it's all within you. You don't need anything else. And with that, I do agree. It does ex- exist inside oneself. That's where all the answers really lie, actually. If you really want yeah, to get to yeah. the root of your answers, it's it's actually if you are quiet enough and you get away from all the noise, the uh, uh, all the, all the noise. Yeah, if you go to a quiet location and just try to meditate and think about your problems, all the answers will come to you eventually, my friends. I'm telling you the truth. Trust in yourself. That's that's what an unmistakable stage is about. That's the whole point. Just be your wild self, be your insane self, be your eccentric self, be your own individual. I agree. That's really the, that's really the, the the whole point of what I'm saying. Yeah, and I'm with the message. I'm, I agree with that. It's good stuff. But you know, we were talking about your music, and um, what exactly inspired that? Oh well, I don't know many things. 
improv improvisation for some things, demonic possession, I guess you could say. Demonic uh, possession. Let, let's get into that. What are you talking about? You were possessed? Y yes. Yes. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Oh, no. I've been possessed many times, and it's not something new. Many times. It's dangerous. It's 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 dangerous, but it's real. It's real. It's real. It really is real. If I leave for a second, you you can't swim alone, can you? I could I could talk to myself. Yeah. You could swim. You, you could do it. You talk to yourself a lot. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. That's a good skill. I'm gonna go that's, to the fridge really quick. That's what being schizophrenic's all about. Right? Oh yeah. Oh shit. Well, we'll just have a little conversation with yourself, my friend. I'm gonna go. Uh, to the fridge really quickly here and uh, just say whatever you want, really. Whatever is on top of your head, just get out there right now. I'll be right back in a moment, my friend. Go ahead. Well, I'm pissed at everything in the world. People are idiots. Most people are idiots. And they just don't think for themselves. They don't think for themselves and they're all being led in a direction they don't even know where the hell they're going. They don't know the repercussions either. They really don't. And that's a sad fact. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They think that they're doing something good, but they don't understand the disastrous implications that it has on everybody. Because we're getting to a more and more cutthroat environment where it's every man against himself and there's no there's no human species spirit anymore. There's no there's no species there's no spirit. There's no spirit of humanity anymore. It's dead. It's what's dying. It's dying. I, mean, I shouldn't say it's dead, but it's dying, and it's because of fools. They just want to be told what to think, and they don't want to actually think for themselves. Because if they wanted to think for themselves, they would be their own individual. And if they were their own individual, then they'd be happy. And if they were happy, then others would be happy. But that's not where we are. We have to get to an artificial sense of happiness. Where right. We take fucking pharmaceutical pills to get happy. And that's just a fake fucking world that we're all involved in. And that's exactly what I'm against. Fuck this fake world. I hate it. And I hate the people who follow it blindly. Oh, my. But anyway, nice to see you. So, yeah, so obviously I can keep up a conversation with myself. Okay, nice, nice. I'm, I'm glad you did that because I've now... I've a lot of schizophrenic practice. Go it's ahead. A schizophrenic yeah. technique. It's a schizophrenic technique, man. Don't you know? It is. Well, sometimes I call that not even being schizophrenic. Sometimes I call it being a fucking genius. Well... I don't know. I think I think what we call schizophrenic. I think it's just. I think I, I don't believe. I really don't believe in mental illness. I oh think my. it's all just a way to control people. Because I think a lot of what we do and what we pride ourselves on are just regular human things. They're all human. I think I think every fucking human being on the planet talks to themselves, and I don't think it's weird. A lot and of people talk to themselves. Yeah. I don't know why we even shun it. You should talk to yourself. I think it's healthy. You should talk to yourself. But we want to look at it as bad for some reason. I don't a know. A lot of people do talk. Bad. Yeah, a lot of people do talk to themselves. They have full-blown conversations with themselves. I do. I do, and I'm yeah. not afraid to admit it. It's all right. People do it all the I time. I love fucking talking to myself. I, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll have conversations in my own head. I won't say anything out loud. But there what will be the times. If you did, if you did speak out loud, what would be the difference? Technically, you're still having a conversation yeah, with yourself. I'm still hearing that voice in my head, so I mean, I can't. Exactly. Can't we, say that's that. another thing. We all have fucking voices. Right? Sure. We're, you know, we're always, and it's not just get, it's a human thing. It's not schizophrenic. I don't believe in it. I don't. I say I'm schizophrenic, but I just say this because I just use it to make some kind of a point. But right. I, say, I don't think any of it truly exists. If you ask me honestly, mm -hmm. if you truly ask me, if I really believe in any of this, schizophrenia, I mean, I believe there are 
I believe there are characteristics of people who are different. But as for something that you can have a textbook analysis for, you just, you know, like a fucking DSM? Sure. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. They have all these fake disorders. There's a fucking disorder, a disorder for, like, video games and coffee. Yeah, they, they want to give everything like, get a name. Get the fuck out of here, yeah. man. <laughs> get the fuck out yeah. of here. Well, you're insane because you like video games and coffee. <laughs> I don't, I don't like video games, but some people do, and I some don't think that makes them. them insane. Yeah, some people love video games. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I love video games myself when I, when I get the chance. You know what it is, though. You know, you want to know what it truthfully is? Right. What is that? Here's what it is. It's we don't have religion anymore. You used to go to a priest. You used to say to the fucking priest, "Well, I confess my sins." The, the therapist is the new priest. Yeah, but now, yeah, but we, we, we found out. Yeah, we found out that the, the priest was uh, sleeping with with the children, though. That's what we found out. Well, there's always that, but I'm not talking about that. I am, though. I mean, that's the truth. That's the reality of this. There's lots of priests out there. That's, well, that's what they why, do. They got a little Weinstein well, in this, them. This is kind of kind of segue into. Uh, we started with Satanism. And it's going to kind of uh, branch and segue into the real, the real religion of everything. Oh shit! The real thing. The real religion of everything, and this is why I respect Setianism because it gets closer. Setianism, yes. Approximation of what it was, what it was, what it truly was, what religion was, and what religion is. All religions are one. Do you it's believe in the afterlife? Religion. Do you believe in the afterlife? By the way. Of course. You do. Of course. Okay. I know it exists. I know it you exists. Know. It definitely exists. I don't need it to exist. It just exists. It just is. Just is. I see. What's going on back there? I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of weird noises. You hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. I was just listening to the, there's like some background. I think I was accidentally, off. I think I accidentally hit it with my ear. Um, I was just wondering what's going on back there. What? I should have had headphones. Oh, you don't have headphones on? Is that what it is? Yes, I don't. Oh, no. It sounds like there's like a TV in the background or something. Were you watching TV? There's something. I don't know what it is. Now it's off. Now it's gone. Fuck, motherfucker. The hell was that? That was weird. Most people won't be able to hear it, though. You, you, you'll need um, some really good headphones to make that out. In the final copy of this, no one's going to be able to hear any of that shit. No, I don't care about the goddamn TV. I care about the beeps. Well, oh, you're, you're hearing beeps? Yeah, you weren't hearing beeps? No, it sounded like there was like a TV or something. I wasn't aware of uh, beeps going on, but uh, yeah, in the final rendition of this, you won't be able to hear beeps. All all the background oh, okay. noise will be cut out. Yeah, I don't care about the TV. Who cares about the TV? I mean, you can't even hear it. I, I could barely hear it, but it's not a big deal. No one's gonna no one's gonna hear that shit. So, but uh, anyway, sad news, sadism. Um, so religion, it all it all has the same source. It well, all has the same source. Most of it is just common sense, though. But I don't even know if I should jump into this. I mean, this is really high stuff. Like, this it, is really, like, you know. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. Stuff. Lots of people out there don't really know anything about all this. So, I mean, it's... I used to have a friend. He kind of reminds me. Yeah, you sound like him a little bit. I sound like him. Yeah, an old friend of mine. Mm -hmm. We used to have... Conversations, we would just talk about anything, any fucking thing, the weirdest things that we could possibly imagine. We would just talk and it would be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I lost contact with him, but we used to always have the greatest conversation. What happened to him? Uh, where, where is he at? One thing is, I'm always moving, I'm always, 
I'm always doing different things. I'm always busy with some something. And some people, it's like you throw spaghetti at the wall. Not uh, all of it is going to stick. That's you know, true. Some of it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And some of your friends are going to just leave. Yeah. And you're going to leave them. You're going to go on and you're just going to do what you do. And that's, that's life. That is life. You're, you're going to lose contact with lots of people eventually. People get married. People have kids. All that shit. Um, by the way, are you married? Do you have kids? What's going on with you? No, uh, what I'm, I'm married to anonymous age stage. That's my bride. That's my woman. The concept of anonymous age stage is is what I'm concerned about. I don't care about. I don't. I mean, I don't really care about any marriage. I certainly don't care about marriage right now. Like I'm very, I'm very ambitious. I'm very driven and focused on what I'm doing, and I don't want to get distracted. I understand. Yeah. That's a good way to get distracted. It is. It really is. It really is. Lots of, um, lots of, uh, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but, you know, lots of women out there, uh, they're, they're a bit of a dream killers. Lots of them are. Yeah, you got to time it right, I think. You got to time it right, you know. Some people just get married when they're, but is after high school directly after high school? You got to be fucking crazy, man. Yeah, I, you got to be fucking. It never insane. really works out. Do you have any? Do you have any desire for a life? Yeah, you know, there's lots of people I've known. They got married right off the jump there, and most of them are no longer together. That's because you're 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 you don't even have a fucking brain that's developed when you're yeah. 18. Correct. Can't lie, you don't know that. what the fuck you're doing. It's like being drunk, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like being drunk. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't really have a fully functional front lobe, frontal lobe. But that's what happens when you drink. You kind of lose your frontal lobe when you drink. That's why you're more aggressive. Right. Because you're not thinking of consequences. Lots of people make those mistakes. Yes. Unfortunately, do. yeah. You know, I know a lot of people who are married and they, they just hate their lives. They hate their wives and they hate their kids. It's it's, it's pretty all, ridiculous. It's all a trap. I mean, it's all a trap. There's I always say there's a trap at every corner, and it's like it's whatever you want to allow yourself to fall into. I mean, there's a trap everywhere, man. There's a fucking trap everywhere. I agree. There is a trap everywhere. That's right. And it's like, it's just it's all about who you are and what you want out of life. At the end of the day, some people don't want that much, and some some people are willing to be trapped. And yes, that's good for them, that's right. but not for me, not for others like myself. Some people know. volunteer for that gig. Remarkably. Because they don't know anything. They don't, they don't know, they don't know anything above what they're thinking, above anything that in their little small-minded existence. Well, they, they've been sold a dream. That's what it is. They've been sold a dream. Well, well, you mean the marriage thing. Exactly. The, the American dream. Well, I think the American dream is more about being ambitious. It's about all that. It's about having a wife, a kid, a family, great job, all that shit. It all ties in together. Yeah, but they don't. Well, I mean, that's good for them. It is. good for them. Yeah, it's a very simplistic way of seeing things. But uh, some people, that's just the way they want to choose to live their lives. And you can't fault them for that. You gotta let them do what they want. You can't, you know, you, you can only lead the horse to the water, but it's the horse who no, has to drink from it. Because I fault, I fault people who don't consider more, more intelligent things and alternatives. Because what it, what it really is, it's selling yourself short. Correct. It, it is. You are selling yourself short. 
So, I mean, yeah, anytime I see something that's stupid or whatever, just I'm always going to call it out. Yeah. Or having conversations with... Because otherwise people don't, uh, otherwise people uh, don't learn. They don't. A lot of people don't learn. And, you know, we are coming up to the end of the show here, sadly. We're getting close. That final stretch. How much longer? Um, we got, we still got about a good 20 minutes left. No, well, that's plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes rolls by, though. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. does. It really does. So, but, uh, I was going to quickly yeah, ask you. Any questions that you would like to yeah, ask? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask. Else, you, yeah. you, you mentioned Halloween and you liked horror movies and all that stuff. We're basically around the corner from uh, Halloween. Are, are you excited, excited at all about that? I am and I'm not. Why, why is I that? I am and I'm not. Yeah, why is that? Because there's always, there's always something to hate. Always something, something to hate. To hate. Why is there so There's much hate? Why is there so much hate in your heart? Because it gets shit done. That's why. Are, are, um, I see. Well, I mean, I'm not sober right now, so that's probably why there's no hate in my heart at, at the moment. I'm, I'm full of love. Hate. No, I'm full of. I'm full of love right now because I've been drinking. So you know, I can't really rant. But I mean, like, as a regular human being, like, as a regular human being, oh, you I'm, don't have any hate. Oh, I wake up fucking angry. Yeah, I'd wake up fucking angry waiting to bury somebody. That's true. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of darkness. That's true. Not, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying at this current time and space, I'm actually pretty happy. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I am happy. I, I definitely, am, I do love life. I mean, yeah, I love life and I'm very grateful to experience it. But at the same time, it's not as good as it could be for all of us. For all of us, it's it's not as good as it could potentially be. Ah, well, that, that's just the way it goes, though. thousands of years ago. That's just the way it goes, though. You know, we're we're kind of imprisoned. Well, I'm not. You're not. No, you're free. not at all. You're like Peter Pan. Well, Peter Pan, someone who finds bliss and does what he wants, and I guess I'm Peter fucking Pan. Oh shit, Peter Pan, great film, by the way. Great animation. Fucking Walt Disney. But yeah, I mean, Satanism and Satanism, I, in my music, I adopt the, I like to play on the Catholic imagery a lot. I think it's really interesting. The Catholic imagery, Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I really, I'm really interested in the ancient Italian bloodlines going back to Rome and going deep. The Romans. To witchcraft. And, well, well, well before the witch, the, well, witchcraft, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rome was very interesting because the cult of Saturnalia was always something very interesting to me, which is what Satanism is basically. That is what Satanism really is. Saturn worship. Saturn. Would you call yourself a Satanist? I'd call myself a Saturnist. Ah, okay. We could go with that. Saturnism is Satanism for the truly initiated. Satanism is kind of... Yeah, it's kind of the peasant version of, of Saturn, of what it really is. Satanism is trying to be Saturn worship. Saturn. Yeah. That's what, that's what the ideals of Satanism are about. But we've lost a lot of that. We've lost a lot of the meaning because of etymology and things get translated in languages and you kind of lose the significance of things. But Saturn worship. Yeah, the Romans were all about Saturn. Mm-hmm. I love Saturn. Yeah. 
Lots of, and that's why that's going back to Sethianism. That's kind of the link because Aquino's version gets pretty close. Gets pretty close to the what the ancient religion was. So you asked him to for a conversation, or what were you doing? What'd you ask him exactly? I forget. I just some kind of conversation. Okay, you just wanted to have a conversation. Well, you know, I'm going to bring him back on the program, and when I do, uh, go ahead and call in, and, and I'll let you talk to him for a bit. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It would be it would be nice to talk to him. Yeah, we'll go. You know, you're more than welcome to, man. It's okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He's he's a great guy to talk to. He's he's fun, in my opinion. Wealth of knowledge. Oh, I know he is. Believe me, I know he he's is. He's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. On air and off air. Yeah, he is, he is, he is very intelligent. Yeah. I, he's one guy I've just kind of been I think like, I'd be able to, smart. I think I'd be able to, <laughs> I think I'd be able to give him a run for his money and shock him a little bit. I, that would be fun. It'd be a fun conversation to have you here. <laughs> so yeah, man, you're, but you're, yes, he's, he's, you're the, he's, he seems like a very great guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's cool, man. He's really down to earth. I, I, I really do like him. I, he, of course he gets a bad rap online. Uh, everyone online gets a bad rap. And, uh, of course, you know, you're well aware of all the harassment he gets on a daily basis and everything he's had to go through for years of his life. You know, a lot of, a lot of those things make no sense to me. And I followed a lot well, of That's what I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You know, it's, he was a victim of, you know, Everyone wants to come out and, and it, you know, it's just like fucking, I, I keep seeing metal terrorists around. Like people keep saying metal, ter- mental terrorists, metal terrorists. Shut the fuck up, metal terrorists. That there's not such a thing. Terrorism refers to a very specific extreme example. It doesn't, it's not about someone being mean or harassing somebody. That's not what terrorism is. You know, try to, that's my whole point. We're getting too safe and we're just limiting the words of what they really are. And that's disgusting because that has bad repercussions for the future. By the way, how do you feel about Terrible. President, how do you feel about President Trump, by the way? I, I didn't get your opinion on him. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, how do you feel about this guy? Do you like him as a president? Do you like him, uh, for his pussy Trump's grabbing? Uh, um, you know, he's a man's man. Well, it depends, you know. You want to get my my take on the current. I want to know. I, I want to know what you think. Well, you know, it all ties in. It all ties into the same thing, though. It all ties in because what what you have with Trump is you have someone that a lot of people, a lot of really rich people don't like him. A lot of really like the a lot of really rich people do not like him one bit. Oh, they hate him. That's true. Because we're kind of in a struggle of nationalism and. In globalism, but I mean, is is nationalism the answer? Every fucking nation has a nationalism, <laughs> nationalistic country, and right. that's supposed to be the answer. I mean, uh, yeah. What, what's what's the answer? Is it globalism? Is it is it is it one country has every country has their own form of it's extreme a, nationalism? It's such a backwards thinking. You know, the whole concept of all this, we're, we're we're so backwards. To be honest with you, you know, you know, here we are. Like I said, I always we say are. this. Here we are in almost 2018. And we still can't get our shit together with with other people out there, other nations. It's just everyone's well, it's because still. We treat the symptoms. We don't, like, we don't get the root of the problem. That's why it, we don't even know that there's a root of the problem. We don't even know. That's yeah. I, you because know. all of our models are just based on fixing the symptom and not really attending to what needs to be done. You would expect there'd be progress at this time and age. You know what I mean. Well, we're kind of in a scary time almost, and we really need to, we kind of, we need, no, we need to fucking 
to wake the fuck up before it gets bad because people have this illusion. Oh, well, well we're to, it's 2017 and uh, nothing bad can happen in my little nice existence, my little nice bubble. History couldn't strike its ugly face down on me at any second. And the truth of the matter is it fucking can. And a government can get extremely corrupt before you can even question what's happening. It already what is. It already is, my friend. Well, it's going. It's going in that direction. It's it's going in that direction. I didn't get your opinion it's on... It's going there, but there's there's a lot of opposition. Right. There's I, a lot of opposition. I, I didn't get your opinion on the whole uh, Mandalay Bay massacre. What's your thoughts and opinions on that, my friend? Massacre? Right. That's what they're calling it. What massacre? There's a new massacre every week. I don't. I can't keep up. The Mandalay Bay, the shooting in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, that one. That one. Yes. Yeah, they keep talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, you want my fucking opinion on it? Well, I don't really have an opinion. I really don't have an opinion. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, what's the answer? I mean, it, it the media, the media version is always the fucking truth. And if you question that, then you're some crazy nut job with tinfoil. Correct. But when you're just trying to get to the truth of the matter, I don't know. But you know. It could be, it could be totally 100%. It could not be. It's, it doesn't concern me. It only concerns me if we're going to start using terrorism in a, in a mundane way, because that's when it gets dangerous for everybody, because then you could be a terrorist. Everyone, anyone could be a terrorist. That's when it gets ugly. That's when it gets dangerous. That's when it gets dangerous. I've been called a terrorist before. I've been called one before. By an idiot. I've been called worse though, too, but that's not, yeah, that's neither here or there. Well, anyone who calls you that's an idiot. Well, they they <laughs> they are just as dumb as you could possibly imagine. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right about that. But that's the that's the whole fucking that's what I'm saying though is that everyone's using it in a colloquial, colloquial way. You're not supposed to use such things in a colloquial way. There are certain words that are reserved for certain things, and there are certain words that aren't reserved for certain things, and we shouldn't get in the habit. We just, but I already, I, we've already been down this route. I t- already told you why yes. it's like this. Mm-hmm. The only thing we can do is just be aware of the the mind process and take it back a notch. Yeah. So as for Trump, I don't really have an opinion either way. He's just there to you. He's just there. Yeah. Because I don't know what mm-hmm. he's really doing. I don't even know what, I don't even know what he thinks he's fucking doing. I don't even think he knows what he's doing, to be honest with you. We have a reality TV That's what star I said, there. Yeah. He he's doesn't there. know what he's fucking doing. Yeah. You know, the, the whole briefing yeah. thing. Did, did you hear about the whole briefing thing when, when they gave him his briefings? Apparently, uh, he would get like two or three pages and that would be too long for him. And then he would request these little like tweets, like these little notes, like in form, like the whole, uh, the whole memos would be like in a tweet format. <laughs> That's what I, that's what I read. It was, it was hilarious. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but goddamn, if that is true, that is pretty, pretty awful. And now he has someone reading to him. Well, I mean, I mean, that's no different. Presidents have always been doing this. You know, it's really, but I think the issue with Trump is what's the goal? What's he trying to accomplish? Honestly, what's he trying to accomplish? I don't even think he knows, man. I don't even think he really wanted this gig, to be honest with you. I think. I'm alluding back I, to, I I'm alluding back to what he said on the Howard Stern show and what Howard Stern said about Trump. Uh, you know, they were big, they were like friends back in the day. And, uh, he always, yeah. uh, Trump, uh, not Trump, uh, Howard said that, um, 
Trump always said he wanted to be the most famous uh, guy ever. <laughs> so, you know, one has to think a little bit about that. Yeah, well, fame isn't bad, but if that's your only goal, then that's bad. Yeah, it is really bad. I mean, it doesn't help that he talks about if ratings. If your goal is just to be famous for being famous, then you're you're part of the problem of today. That's the problem of today is everyone just wants to be famous for being a fucking idiot. <laughs> and some people are famous for just being a fucking idiot. So you're right about that. I think it's actually the norm. I think most people are famous for being fucking idiots. Uh, yeah. And there's no one who's who's really famous for being a fucking genius today. Come on, please. And we got hardly anyone who's, out who's there. famous. I mean, yeah, you could give me a few examples, I guess, but not many. That's true. So I, I do want to. Even, wanna, then, yeah, even then, that's subjective. I, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program here. I'm gonna have to close shop. I'm looking at the time here, and it is that time to roll out of here. Um, do you want to plug anything? You, you you're more than uh, free to do so, my friend. Anything you want to say, go ahead. The stage is yours. Uh, well, buy my album. Don't be a fucking slave. Don't be an idiot. Uh, have, get saved in your heart. <laughs> Worship the devil. Uh, be mentally ill. And, uh, yes. And, uh, don't fuck yourself. I like that. That's a good <laughs> message. That's probably the best thing I've heard all night. Be mentally ill and worship the devil. Yeah. That's, that's what I gotta say to you motherfuckers out there. Oh yeah. Well thanks for being a part of the program. <laughs> I did love sure, having it you was, here. It was fun, man. It was fun. Maybe, maybe if we did this again sometime, we'll have more time. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again. And of course I'll bring you back on when uh, Michael Quino's here and let you talk to him. We only did one hour. Yeah. But you know, the, the show's going to wrap up. I've been on here a long, a long time. So yeah, I know you would have been on. It's time next to say time, yeah, I'd be willing to go three hours if we do this again in the oh, future. Shit. I could talk forever if you can. Uh, well, you know, and I by do the way, have stamina. I apologize because, I mean, I apologize because I haven't slept in over in a day and in, in over a day and a half because I had a crazy fucking day yesterday. You're like a gay. tweaker. You haven't and, slept. Uh, it was it was very taxing on my system. You're like, you're like a, a caffeine yeah. Up. There's a lot of caffeine in my fucking system. You're like an Adderall so addict. Slept, so I'm not I'm not even at my best, man. <laughs> I'm not even at my optimal. Oh man. You know, way of functioning. I hear you. So you haven't even seen me when I'm at. Oh best. shit. Well, we'll definitely bring you back on again. I love talking to you. You're a, you're a lunatic. Uh, you know I do appreciate that here on the show. Genius. It's a great. Yeah, you're a bit of a genius. I like that. So again, it was fun bonding with fellow top talent. I uh, loved having you here, and we'll do it again, my friend. All right, thank you very much. Have a great night. All right, buddy. Take care. And there he goes. Well, that was a fun time. Did you enjoy that, folks? I had a great time here talking to all of you. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at seven. Wow, I almost said seven thirty. I meant eight p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. If you enjoy this program, please keep in mind you can go to michaeldeacon.com and donate a few dollars. Please remember, those few dollars will keep this program running. Please help me keep it running. I do not want to put up some sort of paywall, any of that thing, any of that sort of thing. I really would hate to do that. As long as you guys keep donating a few dollars, I'll be able to keep this thing running, and uh, it, it will be free, free for all of you out there. Nobody wants to have some sort of subscriber thing going on. Nobody wants that. So please keep donating, and of course, 
keep listening to the program. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, it's clear that it's not How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Grammy. I like Grammy. I'm a dude for real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking of really, 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 you know. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That's him. I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the buzz, and you say, you know, you fuck up, you fuck up, you fuck up. You can talk about midnight. That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you that it's been a yet, so it's both incredibly well-rounded shows. the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, You were you were a headline guy, I'm and then a headline guy. You know what I mean? You, for a while you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while it's you were I actually do, you, you, know were running, I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you running well, you a gym get, at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. <laughs> That's our research. You aren't. You aren't. Ridiculous! I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym. What, no, you, you need didn't to take work a time out. Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank fucking you very much. Here. We thought that you, you could know, hold go back. fuck yourself. You know what? All right. Fuck the whole fucking network. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney.